The views expressed on this episode of My Take Radio do not reflect the views, thoughts, or feelings of the My Take Radio staff, My Take Radio advertisers, or My Take Radio content partners. Listener and viewer discretion is advised. This coverage is live and uncensored, so if you have any small children present, you may want to have them leave the room. What's up, guys? My Take Radio. Oop, that's not right. That audio was very loud. Sorry about that. I'm now deaf in one ear. What's up, guys? My Take Radio, episode 247, presented by Rageworks for October 1st, 2014. I'm your host, Rich, and our caller number is 347-324-3541. Again, that caller number, 347-324-3541. If this is your first time tuning in, My Take Radio is a variety show covering mixed martial arts, professional wrestling, gaming, and entertainment. As always, our show is rated M for mature due to strong language. Listener and viewer discretion is always advised. Um, Lots to discuss this week. Um, For those of you that aren't aware, MTR is on a a two-show-a-week format. Wednesdays, MMA and wrestling. Thursdays, gaming and entertainment. I got to continue to put that out there because some people keep hitting me up Thursdays like, oh man, the show's over, or did I miss MMA, or did I miss wrestling? So I got to kind of keep that out there for the next couple of weeks until we get a good groove on. Um, First, I got to say, I want to thank all of our listeners, all our supporters, everybody who's been retweeting the show, sharing the show, and doing as much as possible to get the show out there. We are very, very grateful. Uh, Shout outs to Dark Helmet, Javon Lewis, and a host of other listeners. There's so many to list. Uh, last month, which ended yesterday, obviously, uh, we broke our single download record for the month. Uh, really, really great numbers. And, you know, October is off to a solid start for the first day of the month. And I'm really looking forward to just doing a lot of the stuff that I've been talking about the last couple of weeks that we got on the horizon. Uh, we got a Get Geeked event that we're going to be covering October 16th. I did a brand new MTR Beyond the Mic with Barry Myers, who is the organizer and the the big man in charge for the Get Geeked event, and we'll be covering that on the 16th, so definitely be on the lookout for content on RageWorks.net. Our brand new interview, our brand new Beyond the Mic interview with uh, Barry will be up in a couple of hours. It's going to have all the links, everything, if you want to check out the Get Geeked event here in New York City on October 16th. Um, It's free to the general public. And for those of us that are working the event, obviously, we'll have to be there earlier. But um, definitely internally grateful for Barry to taking for taking time out of his schedule, especially with Get Geek around the corner. And um, 
you know, bringing us, taking time out to speak to us. And with that, there's a very, very cool announcement that I will be making probably on the Wednesday show on the, on the 15th because there probably will not be a show on the 16th, obviously, unless our schedules change. But for right now, um, we'll be doing the MMA and wrestling show on the 15th, but there may not be a gaming and entertainment show on the 16th. Again, schedule permitting. If anything changes, I will let you guys know. Uh, we're also working on something very, very cool, um, something I'm genuinely proud of, and I can't share the details yet. Um, and that's happening October 18th, and I'll, if I get the all clear, I will share the news with you guys probably on the 15th as well. So very hyped for that. And of course, at the end of the month, we will be working the Photo Expo, uh, checking out some of the best uh, audio and video gear that's out there, uh, brand new cameras, brand new video cameras, GoPros, all kinds of awesome stuff. And we'll be covering that event October 29th and 30th. So if you're interested in photography or you want to learn about some of the new gear that's on the horizon, definitely keep an eye out on RageWorks.net and you will see our event recap daily with that stuff. And of course, photos from the event as always. Um, for those of you that want to keep up with that stuff, our social media platforms are at RageWorks, R-A-G-E underscore works on Twitter. Uh, Facebook is facebook.com forward slash official RageWorks. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram. It's RageWorks underscore Rich. And I'm always putting photos up from events, plus, you know, a lot of fucking food. Because <laughs> I enjoy, I enjoy, I appreciate a good meal. It's uh, clearly apparent. Um, but I work hard, train hard, and eat well. That's the only way to be. So that's pretty much the October schedule. The November schedule is a little crazier just because we got so much crazy stuff going on. Engadget Expand, um, the. Uh, CES preview event, uh, Tech 808 with our friends from the Fat Startup. Uh, so much cool stuff. So October and November are going to be jam-packed. Uh, next week is New York Comic Con. We are uh, not going to be there, but it's all good. But a lot of brands that I know, a lot of cool people that are genuinely going there to work are going to be putting out a lot of awesome content. We're still going to put out our content as well, but just without the achy feet and the uh, very, very crowded booths. But we're going to definitely do our best to serve up content as well. So be on the lookout for that stuff next week. All right. So what do we got on tap for tonight? Well, Ben is going to be joining us. We're going to talk about this week's MMA news. We're going to get into some really, really controversial stuff that's happened over the last couple of days. We're going to talk about this past weekend's UFC card. And then on the wrestling side of things, we're going to talk about Monday Night Raw and the week's wrestling news. Um, our very own Jay Santee, uh gets special acknowledgement for a couple of reasons. Uh, he was running our TNA Impact live blog. I saw that he got a retweet from the one and only MVP, Black Godzilla himself. So uh, shout out to Jay Santee. Also make sure to check out his recap of the House of Glory event that he attended last week. And um, he he killed it. His recap was on point. And let's just say that... Um, the Rageworks and My Take Radio audience definitely enjoyed his commentary on the event. All right, so with that said, I do have a, a monologue for this week. Uh, just the usual um, uh, stories. Oh, you got a response. There you go. Uh, apologies to the one and only Jay Santi who got a response, which is even better than a retweet. Uh, much respect for that. Good, sir. Nice work. Um, this week's monologue, really funny stuff. Um 
it was it was a crazy weekend caught up with a lot of uh stuff that consumed my time so anyway uh the faucet in my house broke and me being a, a homeowner and you guys know this as much as anybody when you own a home you know that shit is expensive especially plumbing so i went i buy a a brand new faucet i install the faucet myself never did it before um usually i do a lot of stuff around the house but it's mostly uh woodwork building stuff uh i try not to do plumbing and electrical just because i I, i'm not comfortable but obviously trial by fire anyway um the installation of the faucet took three trips to home depot plus just being under the sink for whatever amount of hours i was under there till at least three four o'clock in the afternoon so um after it was done i just couldn't stand being in my house so me and my wife we went out to grab some food and we went to a um it's it, i don't even want to call it an italian restaurant because you guys know uh franchise italian restaurants are not really italian food you guys know the deal the the olive gardens the you, you know um carabas macaroni grill yeah it's it's italian in name and the menu has some staples but it's not it's not real italian food you guys know especially if you are uh, a genuine italian you know what real Italian food tastes like. But in any event, uh, there's one place by, by my office. It's called Bertucci's. And they usually have some pretty pretty solid uh, pretty solid food. So we get there and um, order our food. So this kid is there. And he appears to be on a date with his girlfriend. Not a big deal. You know, this is a, a, a franchise Italian place. So you know that young guys are going to take their girlfriends there. Because they don't want to look like complete plebs taking them to the Olive Garden. Not not that the Olive Garden is bad, but we, we know. We know the deal. Anyway, so dude is there. He's he's eating with his girl, and he gets up to go to the John, comes back, so he, he sits next to her. So I see that he's wearing a shirt that has, like, a guy and a girl's name, the infinity, the, the infinity symbol, and a date. So my wife says to me, I think that guy is wearing a shirt with the with the anniversary day with with his girlfriend. And I said that's completely insane. No self-respecting guy would do that. Well, I look at my phone and I go, "Yeah, you know, the the date was um what was it? September 28th." And the shirt that he had on said September 28th, 2013. So this guy was celebrating his one-year anniversary with his girlfriend while wearing a T-shirt with the anniversary date on it. I said to myself, this guy has to have a head in his refrigerator and a couple of bodies in his basement because that is without a doubt the craziest shit I saw. So we're eating, we're eating, he's sitting next to his girlfriend, and this dude, either he had jock itch or something, because that dude, he kept his hands in his pants or around his junk the entire duration of, of, of their meal, which was incredibly weird, besides the fact that it wasn't like most guys, you know, where we gotta adjust ourselves, whatever, this dude was hand deep inside his pants, and it was weird, because I turned, and he was taking his hand out of the side of his pants, and smelling his hand, which I'm like, oh, come on, dude. So he's like, I like I said, jockage. It had to be jockage. So this dude 
fiddling around, fiddling around, scratch, scratch, adjust, adjust. And he's touching everything. He's touching his girl's face. He's, he's, you know, all kinds of stuff. I'm like, I'm like, dude, your hand is full of like ball meat and you're legitimately just like touching everything. Like I would, I, I literally, I, I'm looking at him because the way that the table was set up, I'm facing my wife the same way I'm facing the camera and his booth is towards the side. So you just see this dude just being a complete, a complete piece of garbage. And I didn't, I couldn't even approach it. Like our waiter, besides the fact that our food wasn't good for some reason, our waiter, he's going over there. The guy's like, yeah, buddy. And he's touching stuff and touching money. And I'm, I'm just horrified that it's like you got yam bag crumbs all over your fucking hands and you're touching everybody. It was, it was disgusting. And when he got up, I finally got a good look at the t-shirt and I kid you not, it really was him and the girl's name, the infinity symbol and the one year anniversary. It was without a doubt the creepiest and most insane thing I ever saw. And he's like touching his girl and, and super lovey dovey, like sitting next to her. And it's like, first of all, you made a shirt, which (laughs) I, I just, I can't make this stuff up guys. I can't. And it's just like you made a shirt and it's like, so you showed up at your girlfriend's house to pick her up and you saw like she saw you in this shirt. It's it's awful. Jay, first question he asked was he was Spanish. No, Jay, he was not. He was something, but he wasn't he wasn't outright Spanish unless, you know, it's a, a Hispanic person. That's the color of a piece of paper. Could be the case, but you never know. He was kind of Seamus colored, which was a little weird. And um, admit it, you have who has ever wore a shirt with a pic of you and your partner on it? Sure as fuck wasn't me. Even when you go to the amusement park and you and you know they snap a picture and they go, "Hey, you guys want a T-shirt?" Absolutely, the hell not. I'd rather wear a T-shirt made of gasoline and jump into a fire than do that. Slick says he's wearing the shirt because of the itch. She gave him the herp. <laughs> ben adds, been with my girlfriend six years going on seven and never have I ever fucking wore a shirt with her face on it. <laughs> but you know what's crazy? It wasn't so much the fact that of the shirt, whatever. Some people are just really weird and some people, they just get really lovey-dovey immediately. But it was just the constant you know, hand in your pants and you're touching. And like I said, he had his hand in his pants and then he just put his hand like this. Like he was literally, he had a a handmade gas mask of ball sweat on his face. And I'm like, dude, what is wrong with you? What is wrong with you? And listen, you know, we're guys, we do, we, we, we're not, we, we do weird shit. We all do. But that it's like, dude, you're in a public place smelling your hand. It smells like your bag wrong with you. It was, it was horrifying. So I figured I'd share that with you guys because it was, it it was too weird to not even not share. And I, and you know what it is? The, 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 the social media, the social media side of me, the more active side of me made me want to take a picture made me want to take a picture so bad but i realized that this just it that's just some rude shit too so i figured let me not take a picture and embarrass this dude cuz maybe somebody knows him or something 
and I just left it alone. But I wanted to take a picture so bad because it, everybody I talked to about this, they were like, come on, man. It couldn't have been that bad. It was that bad. <laughs> it really was. And and it was funny because I'm like, dude, if you're there and you're and you're adjusting yourself or whatever, then, you know, go home, take a shower and handle your business. It was crazy. It was just so, so crazy. Um, Slick writes, this is why he was touching her face. Jay writes, I hate that shit. I'd rather wear a shirt made of broken glass. Slick then adds, he's like this smell. I got this from you. <laughs> oh, man. Then he also writes, hey, Rich, smell my finger. Uh, you guys are you guys are on point. You guys. <laughs> oh, man, you guys are on point. But yeah, that that was just the the creepiest and craziest thing that just needed to be shared. And you know what's funny? And Slick can vouch for this. Slick knows that when we've gone out, whether it's to go out to dinner or whatever, there is never a time when something weird what doesn't happen? And yes, this was at the restaurant. This was at Bertucci's in Westbury. I can say it because I, you know, whatever. This was at Bertucci's in Westbury. But Slick will tell you there are weirdos in the most, in the unlikeliest of places. And he can vouch for this. Slick is like my, uh, my, my testament to like legitimacy with this stuff. Because Slick will tell you, yep, that happened. You know, it's like going to a, to a media event. They opened it to the public and the guy walked in and the first thing he asked was if they had Hennessy because it was an open bar and the booze was free. And the first words out of the guy's mouth, you guys got any Hennessy? And Jay knows exactly what is wrong with someone asking for Hennessy at a press event. But that's a story for another day. Anyway, as I said, we got lots of MMA on deck. Let's get the ball rolling. Um, that's pretty- <laughs> No, he did not ask for any Ciroc. <laughs> Jay, uh, yes. All right, so let's get into this MMA because otherwise we're just going to go completely off the rails tonight. So let's get that ball rolling. As always, My Take Radio's MMA segment is brought to you by MMAWarehouse.com. Get all your favorite fighter-worn shirts, training gear, and MMA accessories at MMAWarehouse.com. I believe they're running Customer Appreciation Month this week for the month of October. Definitely check it out. We're going to have probably some promo codes and banners on the site. As always, check the banners out on the site. It helps us out. It helps us add equipment and make improvements to the show. Plus, like I said, their prices are pretty good when it comes to gear. Again, that's MMAWarehouse.com. All right, so let me bring Ben on. I know he's in the queue, and we just got a ton of stuff to discuss. Big Ben, what's up, dude? What's up, man? Uh, pretty good, man. All is well. I know you did a double HND today, and we're going to get into that before we close yeah, out. Yeah. What a what a crazy, crazy week of MMA. And I want to I wanna open things up with UFC 178, which was a card that got shuffled around so much but delivered some really, really solid fights. Did you get to catch the whole card, yeah, inclu- including the prelims? Yeah, I ended up uh, seeing it after the fact. But, yeah, I, I caught – I actually, uh, at work, I actually was able to caught, 
catch uh, Dominic Cruz's return, but uh, yeah, I was able to catch the whole card. Um, it was it was really worth it. <laughs> it it was really worth it. Manny Gamburian putting in putting in some legit work. I, I, it feels like it's been forever since I saw him fight. Um, he took his victory via submission guillotine choke in the second round. Uh, he called out Brian Caraway, which was pretty funny. Um, and people are like, "Oh, really? He's calling out Brian Caraway?" But it's like Manny Gamburian is from Ronda Rousey's camp. And considering that she can't duff the guy out, Manny Gambirian is <laughs> is willing to step up and do the job. Um, the only problem with that I have is he was losing the vast majority of that fight. So uh I, I think Brian Caraway is way too high in the rankings for him. But uh Manny Manny he didn't look bad in the fight. Um he was he was losing the vast majority of the fight until he got kicked in the nuts and used it as kind of a, a springboard to get his uh his air back. Right. Like, he took like almost four minutes or something yeah. like that. But uh, he, he did what the rules allowed him to do, and, and he looked good with the guilty. I was I was surprised in the John Howard Brian Ebersol fight because I really had John Howard for that fight, but Ebersol was pretty aggressive. I mean, Howard pretty much woke up in that second round, and then Ebersol started catching it. I almost it was so close that I gave it to Howard, and I was shocked that Ebersol took it via split decision. The fight could have gone either way, but a lot of people felt that they weren't doing a lot the whole fight. So you know, mm. it could have gone. It could have. I was just. Not upset, but I was like, "Wow!" I expected John Howard to go out there and 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 start swinging for the fences, and it not that it that wasn't the case. It just didn't feel ultra competitive. Yeah, I had John Howard winning the fight too, but I mean, because the fight was as slow as plotting as it was, right? I wasn't really mad about the uh, the final the final verdict of it, but I did have John Howard winning. But I mean, you win some, you lose some. Um, I thought he should have won the fight, but. That's what happens when you when you have a fight like that and you leave it in the hands of the judges. When not a lot happens, yep. you end up leaving it in the hands of the judges. Well, I was I was bummed out also because that happened with the Patrick Cote fight, and I always feel Patrick Cote he has all this tremendous potential. the The UFC loves him; they like using him in in their Canada cards. But the dude just never brings it together on the big stage it's always like the decision or he lets it it, he lets it go in the later rounds it's never a consistent performance from him which is odd because the guy is incredibly talented yeah i mean i I felt like he lost his fight clearly um i think um steven uh i'm about to call him steven colbert steven uh steven thompson (laughs) (laughs) he uh he uh he looked good. I mean, he looked as good as he's gonna look. Um, problem with him is he doesn't sit down on any of his punches. Nope. Uh, he, he he comes from the same point karate background as uh, a guy like um, Uriah Hall, where he does a lot of flashy things, but none of them can really, unless they land perfectly, they're not gonna really hurt you. Right. And um, that's that's what he did a lot in this fight. He he did a lot of flashy kicks, a lot of flashy punches, but nothing nothing that really hurt Patrick Gote. But he did enough to win the fight. Yeah, well, you know, you know what was funny, and the parallel to that fight was the Jorge Masvidal fight. Again, another fight that I expected to just, to just be a symphony of violence. It was not the case, you know. That I was like, wow, we're gonna just keep getting decisions the remainder of the card. But it was it was a, a good enough performance from Masvidal. His his Masvidal stand up is always just a, a a pleasure to watch because the guy is is not he is no joke on the stand up. But the fight just felt again another just flat unanimous decision, you know. I didn't really feel that was flat because of Masvidal. I feel like he clearly beat uh, um, well, I'm not, ja- uh, Kraus, John James Kraus. Kraus. Yeah, John Kraus. He clearly beat Kraus. Um, I, I, and I think the fight felt flat because Kraus wasn't competitive. Right. Uh, Kraus he- was beaten basically everywhere. Yep. And it, it really surprised me at the end of the fight where he kind of looked like he thought he won, which was ridiculous to me. <laughs> like you, all you did was get hit. 
and taken down and just beat beat every single place. So I think that fight didn't seem as competitive because of Kraus, not because it um because Kraus wasn't competitive, not because it was boring per se. Right. He didn't he, uh Kraus didn't bring the best out of Masvidal because you know his fights are always some real super competitive you're watching, you're like, Wow, this guy's a problem. Yeah, and I and I feel like Kraus, he was so much better than Kraus everywhere that he really didn't need to bring his A game He coasted to that fight. He he just yeah, he coached it and was, he was better than him everywhere, and he, and he showed. Well, you know, right after that fight, of course, Dominic Cruz came back and pretty much detonated his fist on the side of Takei Mitsugaki's head. Um, Dominic Cruz, uh, a, an amazing return to form, especially coming off, what is it, two knee surgeries, three knee surgeries? The yep. guy was rock'em, uh, sock'em robots. Three, two, no, two knee surgeries and a groin surgery. There you go. Dude was dude was a machine out there. He was he wasn't even he wasn't even trying to make this fight go the distance or do nothing. He came in there and he just went to work. It was it was a nasty nasty performance. And his post fight interview, obviously, he still got beef with with the alpha male camp and um, secured himself mm-hmm. a title shot with at TJ Dillashaw with that performance, which I think he should get. Um, I was kind of really wary of giving him a title shot right off of this uh, long layoff because yep. honestly. Especially with his style, you have no idea how he was going to come back. Right. You had no idea if he was going to... Um, with two knee surgeries and a groin surgery, you had no idea would he still be able to move the same way, would he still be able to, to, to not get hit as much. And he looked... He might have looked better than he did before he left. And, and mind you, this is off, what, was 90 seconds of a fight? Right. But we... I don't... He's never had an actual finish in the UFC or in, in Zufa. No, um, it, it was he, right. He, the closest thing he's had to an actual finish was breaking Brian Bowles' hands way back in 2010, I think. Right. Or WEC. So he he's never had a real actual finish. And he knocked Takeda Mezugaki clean out um, multiple times because that fight should have been stopped a long time ago. And he was good. And I, I'm really interested to see what he does against uh, TJ Dillashaw because I think they should have a really phonetic interesting fight between the two of them. Yeah, I think that the striking in that fight, and it's weird because Dominic Cruz moves in such a crazy way. His fighting style is so so unique, especially his hands, the way he throws his hands and the weird, super crazy angles that he gets strikes in there. You know that he's going to go in there. And I also felt that by going in there and improving his hands, it was because he didn't really, he had to kind of baby his legs a bit. So, you know, obviously if you can't use your legs to their fullest, you're going to work on your hands. And I'm sure during mm-hmm. his, his recovery time, he was still working his hands, waiting till he could get the okay for his legs. Yeah, and, and like I said, and the great thing about his fighting style is a lot of it is to get you to react. The, yep. the reason he fights that way is to get you to get out, way out of position so he can hit you in the face. Yep. Um, And he, he looked really good in that fight. Um, It, it kind of shot me because I had never seen him hit with that kind of power. And especially with a guy like Shaquille Mizugaki, who really, I don't, I don't remember the last time he's been I don't think he's been knocked out. I think this is the first time he's ever been knocked out. And I mean, it, it was it was it was fun to watch, man. I, I'm really looking forward to seeing what he can he can do against the TJ Dillashaw because I think his style actually poses a lot of problems for a Dillashaw. Yep, a lot of problems for a Dillashaw. So I'm really interested in what happens. Yeah, I think I think TJ Dillashaw is going to have to really really work on counter punching and definitely avoiding that rush that he does because you know he usually sets it up with that really weird uh, glass Joe uppercut from Punch Out, <laughs> and then he just comes in guns blazing that uppercut he does it's like it really is watching like glass joe throw an uppercut and punch out and he just comes out swinging i'm like oh my god 
Yeah, I mean, and, and his takedown was really good from that style. I mean, he just looked really good, and and it's and it's good to have him back in the division because I mean, it's it's really unfortunate what happened to him because people forget he might still be the best bantamweight in the world. Yep, we just haven't seen him fight in three years. Exactly, he might still be the best. He might still pose a problem. He that bell may ring. He may put Dillashaw to sleep in the first round and be like, "Yep, this is why I was still the champion." You know. Yeah, I mean he 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 was a champion. He was clearly the champion. Yep. So um, I'm I'm really I'm really looking forward to seeing what happens with him. Um, I'm I want to see him fight Uriah Faber again again. Even though I think he would beat Uriah Faber probably might. pretty handily because I think Uriah Faber has lost a little bit um, over time. But man, I'm I'm really looking forward to what this guy can do. Well, you know, it was funny. He wasn't the only return. Katzengano came back, and she was also trying yeah, to yeah. make a statement. Um, very aggressive fight between her and Amanda Nunes. Um, really, really, uh, not only aggressive, but just it, it was bad intentions across the board. Like, there was legit hurt in every strike that each of these women delivered. Yeah, um, that was a really good fight. Um, I think Amanda Nunes kind of blew blew herself out pretty early, though. Right. I think after her trying, because she, she beat Casagano up pretty good on the, the ground. And I yep. think after she basically just let it all out then, uh, Casagano basically dominated the fight after that. And I yep. think a lot of that had to do with her just basically just blowing it all out then. And, you know, Casagano looked good. I don't think she beats Ronald Riley. Um, I, I, I mean, I... I think, I think her, her, the fact that she's so strong yep. helps her, but I still don't think she's able to stop Ronda Riley from taking her down and submitting her. I just, I, I just don't think she has the striking or the the ring generalship to do that. Well, you know what the thing is, also with 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 Ronda Rousey, if you go in there and you try to use, um, you know, bull rush tactics, it's all about at that point just turning your your momentum against you. That's what she does yeah, at that point. And she's gonna she. Her fighting style requires her to be close to you, to to kind of like not necessarily grapple with you, but kind of kind of a rough and tumble kind of fight, and that's where Ronda Rousey really, really, really thrives. So I'm not sure what she can do with this Ronda. Like I really don't know what she can do with this Ronda Rousey because Ronda Rousey lives for the clinch. Yep. Like that's that's her home, and if she gets you in the clinch, that's I mean you're going for a ride, and, or she's going to hurt you because she's shown in her last couple fights she can really, really hurt people in the clinch. So I don't know. Well, the thing is, you know, she Ronda Rousey got cleared. You're, I'm st- I was starting to see, you know, the, uh, Lazy the Savage from Middle East. He puts up a lot of clips on Instagram of, you know, just her work in the mitts. And you can start hearing some, like, legit crack, some legit pop when she's hitting the mitts. I'm like, wow, that's a lot. That's some that's some nice crispness in that. You know, like, like you know, one, two, one, and you just hear boom, 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 like legit. Like, you hear the power in the strike, and you're just like, yeah, I don't know, you know, it, it's a, it's a, it's a different ball game at that point. But you know, Kazingano striking is is nasty too. But like you said, the clinch game at that point, you know, you're going for a ride or you're getting swept from the fence, especially if you clinch against the fence. Yeah, and and the thing about her striking is she can be getting better at it, but I don't think she'll ever. There's only a few fighters that I'll ever make her have to use to have to throw with punching combinations, right? And otherwise, she's going to take it to the ground. And I, and if she if she's forced to do that, I don't think fights will go as well for her. Like I said, if she fights um, Holly Holm and is forced to just strike with Holly Holm, she's losing. Yep, like, absolutely. <laughs> like as good as she is at grappling, Holly Holm is that good at striking. That's right. So we'll see. Um, like I said, I'm really interested in the next couple of fights. I, I want to see the Holly Holm fight. I want to see if Cyborg can make 135, what that fight looks like. So I'm really interested to see what these fights, are. The, this current crop of women fights look like. 
Well, let's um, let's talk about the controversy from Tim Kennedy and Yoel Romero. Um, Tim Kennedy, I, I'm not gonna lie, dude. That first round, he just looked he looked like the the countdown at the end of Street Fighter when you lose and your face is just all broken up and, and swollen. Most of the second round. Oh yeah, it's like it's like at that point I understand, but I also understand the argument that there were it, it wasn't even just the stool. There were a whole bunch of funky factors in that entire fight. Tim Kennedy may, you know, the the grabbing of the glove, which may or may not have been intentional, the extra Vaseline, which was a couple of extra seconds, the language barrier. It, it just it was a recipe for just bullshit, you know? Well, well my opinion on that is is kind of simple. Um, I did not understand Tim Kennedy, Kim, Tim Kennedy being that upset. And, and my reason for this is, yes, it's technically against the rules what he did. Um, he should have been made to get up. Um, I don't think he should have. I think he should have lost a point. I, I really think that he, he probably should have lost a point. But uh, Tim Kennedy got the same amount of time to recover that he did. Right. It, it's not like um, he got like this extra, this extra couple minutes to recover. And my whole thing with that is, like, I don't understand why Tim Kennedy, after the fight, is confronting him backstage because even, let's, let's, even that extra time, you had time to recover, get your air back, right? Right. You then got knocked out. Yep. <laughs> you then got knocked out. Right. Well, it, you, know, it, it, you can't blame him for that. Like, you, you can't be mad at him for that. That's on you at this point because you now have lost the fight. Well, and Go ahead. And I, I just I just don't agree. I didn't agree with with the, the consternation that Tim Kennedy showed for Yoel when Yoel's corner did a trick that I, if I was a corner man I would do. If I know my fighter's hurt and I know I can delay him having to get up, I'm going to do that. I'm gonna leave a stool in there, put a little bit of extra Vaseline on him. I might knock over some ice. Something you see it in boxing all the time yep. to give your fighter a little extra time. It's it's a smart tactic, and that's what the corner is there to do. Well, you know what the thing was too. Big John McCarthy is a. Uh... You know, he's a seasoned veteran, so he could have been like, yo, yo, come on with this bullshit. You guys know the deal. So there was a lot of stuff. The only thing that I got to acknowledge is the ruling that's legitimate. Like, yo, if you're not off the stool, you lose. You know what I mean? Like, it, it, it exists. And that was my problem. I'm like, shit, you know, it does exist. There's documentation for the shit. But... You know, it was just it was just a bad deal all around. It's like at that point, you got one of two options. Either you accept it or you you accept it and move on or you appeal it and you're not going to get it. And in that case, see if the yeah. guy gets up in the rankings, win a couple of fights and ask for a rematch. Yeah, which I think Tim Kennedy will lose because he was losing every minute of that fight except like 30 seconds. Oh, he was like, getting, he was getting he bulldozed. Not 30 seconds, like 8 seconds. He was getting bulldozed in that first like, round. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, Yoel Romero was bulldozing him in the first round and a good chunk of the second round. Yep. Um, so I understand Tim Kennedy being upset. Like, I legit understand being upset, but don't take it out on your – like, don't jump at Yoel because I don't think Yoel Romero was the one who came up with the idea to do Oh, that was the like, corner. I think it was his corner. Yeah, his <laughs> corner doing what they got to do. Like, Yoel, yeah, Yoel was, was out of it. He was yep. clearly out of it. His corner was like, okay, we need to get him some help here. So I don't think going confronting Yoel backstage was the right way to go about that because I don't think Yoel was like, you know what, give me some extra time. Like, I think that was the corner who came up with the idea and to help their fighter. And I, I do not blame them one bit. No, because at that point, if he should have been upset, he should have been like, dude, your fucking corner man pulled some shit. You know, I'm not mad at you, but I'm just saying your corner's on some shit. And if that would have been the case, because yeah. to take what you said a step further, Yoel Romero was probably in, 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 you know, on the seventh level of fucking knockout town. 
And the dude is just like, he's not telling them, yo, put extra Vaseline on my face. He's like, yo, what's today? Tuesday? You know, like, like, that's what I mean. Like, it's not like he's consciously sitting there like, hey, leave the stool in here. It's like, how many fingers do you see? Yeah. Eight, <laughs> you know, instead of two. Yeah, like, I, I legit think Yoel was out of it. Because even, even if you look at him, he was just sitting there like, um, what's going on? Yep. Like, he looked confused. He's like, I don't understand. I don't know what exactly is happening right now, but I'm going to sit here until I'm told not to. Exactly. <laughs> and I don't blame him for that at all. Yep. But, but you know, I feel bad because t- Tim Kennedy, it, you know what the funny thing is, and you and you remember this, because before this fight was was official and the fight was starting to beat, mm-hmm. you know, the rumors for this fight were, were circling, you know that Tim Kennedy's like, I want drug testing, I want this, I want that. It's like... It's like, dude, you you made a laundry list of demands, and even still, after you fight, you got some extra shit, you know? Yeah, which uh, honestly, if I'm Yoel Romero, I, I would be offended. I mean, yep. then again, unless he's on something, I would have been slightly offended. Like, why do I got to do drug testing? Like, do, wh- why are you just assuming I'm on something? Right. But you know, but. I mean, Tim Kennedy's in a sport where Kung Lee, who lied clearly. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna get into that. <laughs> we're we're gonna get so. into that because that that upset me for for a multitude of reasons, and I'll get into that. But um, I want to talk about Irish Bruce Lee. <laughs> I want to talk about <laughs> Conor McGregor going in there and putting it on Dustin Poirier. I mean, it was funny because there was a picture online, and it was Dustin Poirier standing on a train track. And it was Conor McGregor in his little vest and his suit sitting on top of a train. And somebody put it on Instagram and it's like, will Dustin Poirier derail the train? Which is pretty much like, yo, this dude's on a hype train. Will Dustin Poirier yeah. be the be the dude? And, you know, it was funny because. Nope. <laughs> it, it, yeah, he wasn't. And it was it was crazy because he, um, you know, Conor McGregor made a, uh, an amazing statement and people people reshared it all over the place. Mm-hmm. And I'm, pro- I'm probably going to mess it up. He was like, you know, I'm cocky in my approach. I'm thorough in my preparation, but I'm humble in defeat or in victory. And that's it. The dude is just well prepared, knows how to sell fights. And at the end of the fight, win, lose, or draw, he's a he just shuts off. He's like, yeah, man, you know, I went out there, did what I had to do, and um, I want to punch Jose Aldo in the face. You know, like he just switches it back on. <laughs> yeah, like my thing, I, I I have grown to like Conor McGregor because to me, he's he's kind of the anti Charles Sonnen. Like he he's Charles Sonnen. Charles Sonnen was better at fighting, right? Um, yes. Not to say that Charles Sonnen was bad. No, no. But no. Conor McGregor is really really good. Yes. Um, now I think he loses to Jose Aldo, uh, but it surprises me how easily he's beaten these dudes. Like, um, cause that's a very, a good fighter. He, he's a really good fighter. And for him to get hit and just crumble like that just surprised yep. me. Like, cause Conor McGregor doesn't look like he's throwing that hard of punches, yep. but apparently they are really, really hard. Yep. And he, he came out there and did what he, he was supposed to do. He, he knocked him out. He did what he said he was going to do. Um, he, so it, it shocked me. It, it really shocked me that he was able to just hit him clear, cleanly and knock him out. Now, I don't think he beat Jose Aldo, and I, I'll get into that in a second. I think he probably could beat Chad Mendes. Would um, <laughs> you take him down? Like, I think he could legit catch Chad Mendes, but um, they need to give him the title shot now. Yep, because but you know it was funny and and this was and and before we get into the other fights when Dana White's like oh you know Conor McGregor bigger than bigger than Brock Lesnar and I said I said to myself dude I know what you're doing you got no stars you got no stars that you can actively promote that'll play ball so you figure 
I'm going to promote this kid because he's young. He's he's in a country where we're trying to develop the sport and and turn it into a, a pastime. So fuck it, I'm pouring I'm pouring all my gas in this car, which is which is again, and we've talked about this. It's like it's great, but you got to be ready to be disappointed. It's like it's like um and and, and you know we're, I'm going to circle back to this even though I addressed it. And this is why I wanted I, mm. I was I was bummed you couldn't be on last week. Like like when John Jones went before the commission, you know, he went before the commission, mm-hmm. he got his fine, he got his he got fined, he got his community service, and then Nike dropped him. And at that point, it's like, dude lost all that. But if you remember, before he started turning against the UFC, so to speak, Dana White was like, Oh, this guy's mm-hmm. the fucking truth. He's the messiah of the sport. You know what I mean? Like he was he was so invested in the guy and he poured all his eggs in one basket and then he wrapped his car around the pole. And it was just again, and at that point you're like, shit. You know what I mean? Same thing with GSP. Well, th- well I don't think his reasoning for for beefing with John Jones has really anything to do with the drunk driving. Oh no 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 I think it's because John Jones has gotten to the point that he doesn't have to he don't have to play ball with the right. UFC. He can do what he wants. He, right. <laughs> but he, but remember, and, I only say that because remember, before all that, before that, it started going in that direction. It, it was, it was, oh, this is the great, greatest guy in the world, you know, pound for pound. You know what I mean? Like, like the hype train, again, the hype train was real. After the accident, yeah. after the accident, I think, you know, John Jones saw that, that the, the UFC is fickle, just like the fans are. And he was like, well, fuck it. You know, I'm going to play the game as a business because the fighting is a business and he just took a very systematic approach to it and he realized that the only way that he was going to be legitimately recognized as pound for pound was for going out there and talking that shit you know what i mean because the ufc wasn't backing him as hardcore anymore because then you know dana jumped on ronda's jock and chael you know what i mean all, all the other people and you know guys like john jones if i like if i were kane velasquez i'd be pissed off you know it's like yo i'm your i'm your heavyweight champion i'm on fox deportes i'm on a spanish channel nobody knows who the hell i am and you're not even trying to put me out there well it also helps kane the, the thing with heavyweight champions is they don't need as much of a push as you need with these smaller guys, which uh, I think we'll touch on again in the main event. But right. like with these smaller guys, you really, 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 really need to push them. And I think that is something the UFC has failed a lot of their smaller champions. Yep. Uh, sub one forty, one fifty five. They have failed them, yep. and I don't know what it is, but they just seem to not know how to promote these guys to make people want to see them. Yep. I, and, I don't understand. I don't understand where it goes wrong. Like Conor McGregor's out there and he's got his little suit on, you know, and he's he's got his big glasses and he's talking that shit. And it's like the UFC isn't helping him. He's doing it himself. Like yeah. Dana White could be like, oh, yeah, yeah. this guy's the and, future. But it's like, yo, it's all Conor McGregor, dude. Yeah, exactly. Like Conor McGregor's doing this. Like this, this is not the UFC. Conor McGregor came into the UFC Saying he was the greatest, yep. he backed it up and continued saying he's the greatest. Yep. And he, Other and, fighters, your promotion because the UFC has always pushed promotion above fighter. Yep. Your promotion would benefit from you making people want to see your smaller fighters. Right. Instead, the UFC seems to be in this weird zone where one, you have to play ball with them. You have to do things the way they want you to do them. Right. Not everybody's gonna do it, especially when you get to the level of a John Jones. Like John Jones doesn't have to do, listen to them. Nope. Like even even losing his Nike contract, John Jones is a millionaire. He's probably one of the highest paid fighters in the company. And if John Jones leaves the UFC, do you know how much money Viacom would give him? Oh, <laughs> Viacom would even... pour out their their, their wallet, <laughs> like, dude. Immediately. Yeah. Viacom will back up a truck of money. Like, it wouldn't even be a thing to them. 
and and he knows this. That's why the that's why the UFC, and that's why I think Dana White, mostly Dana White, because I don't know how the fatigues feel about him, but I know Dana White kind of has this this issue with him because he doesn't have to listen to you anymore. Nope. He has gotten to the point where athletes in the NFL or the NBA have gotten. They're bigger than the sport. Yep. John well, Jones is bigger than the sport by himself. John Jones is, Kane Velasquez is, VSP was. They're Anderson. entities amongst themselves. They can promote fights by themselves, and the UFC has failed the fighters that can't do that by not promoting them, and yep. I don't understand why. Well, I like when Jose Aldo was like, oh, well, how do you think Dana feels? And he's like, I don't give a shit what Dana says. I don't care. He's like, yo, I get paid <laughs> to punch <laughs> people in the face. It's all good. <laughs> Yeah, like, uh, honestly, Jody Allen is just a fighter. Their yep. job as a promotion is to make that fighter interesting. Yep. And they've failed that. And, and they're not doing, they haven't been doing a good job of that for a while, but, you know. I'll tell you this much. When yeah. Conor McGregor said, yo, I'll fight Jose Aldo in a soccer stadium in Brazil or in Ireland, I said, if they made that fight, that stadium would be packed to the gills. Yeah, um, <laughs> it would, especially in Brazil. Um I don't know about Ireland because I don't know because I have no way of knowing. I don't know how big of a star Tom McGregor actually is in Ireland because you know Dana, Dana White is uh, a promoter. He's yep, going to man. oversell things, right? And I mean, Conor McGregor might be a celebrity in, in in Ireland, but I don't know if he packs a soccer stadium. You know what I mean? That well, that's going to have to be one of those things where you got to pack an entire car to Irish guys like like they did before. You know, the Irish invasion. And you got to do that. You got to pretty much book every Irish dude on that card. That's the only. That's the how you with fill. that is. There are not that many really good Irish fighters. Right. Like, it's him and him. Like everybody. <laughs> I miss. I miss. I, I miss Marcus Davis. <laughs> yeah. Well. Yeah. <laughs> that was about it, and he wasn't even that great. So <laughs> that's about it. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. And then, you know, it, it, on and he's and he's making noise at 45. It was crazy that he's making that noise at 45. He could probably he could probably make 55 McGregor. And, and, and it would and, not be a good idea for him to go up to 155. <laughs> too many hitters up there, dude. That's that's I, I say this because too many wrestlers, <laughs> too many, too many killers, man, which brings me into Donald Cerrone and Eddie Alvarez. First of all, everybody that was clowning Eddie Alvarez it's like, yo, dude was nervous. You are you are fighting in the big time. It took you all this time to get there. And you're fighting a guy who is not a can. Donald Cerrone is not a can. The guy the guy drives to fights in an RV. He don't give a shit what you think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, it was a really, really good fight. Um, I was actually, it was a good fight. Um, Donald Cerrone, I don't know why he starts so slow. Like, I, I have no it. idea why he starts fights as slow as he does. Yep. But he, he almost lost himself that fight because he was getting tagged in the first round. Yep, and he um, said it. He said it. He goes, the second I round started. Yeah. What? No, I said that he said in his post-fight interview, he's like, yo, I don't know why I start slow. He goes, I, I'm still trying to figure that out. Yeah, he needs to figure that out because he, he has come very close to losing some fights because of it. Against Melvin Galar, this yep. fight against Edson Barbosa. Like, so, it, it, it played against him against Anthony Pettis, even though I don't think he would have beaten Anthony Pettis anyway. Right. He started slow and got his ass nuked by Anthony Pettis. <laughs> so, um... He he looked good in the second and third round. He he basically dominated the fight from the first uh, the second round on. Uh, with those leg kicks, knees to the body, body kicks. He he did a lot of really good things in that fight. Yeah, his striking was crispy, man. It was it was good. And then you know Eddie Alvarez. I think Eddie Alvarez's second fight, even maybe his third fight, once he gets super adjusted, oh, dude's gonna be a problem in there because his hands are nasty. 
Yeah, Eddie Eddie is a beast. Like Eddie Eddie is going to be a guy. I don't know if he makes it to a UFC title just because of his. Not that he's chinny per. Well, he is chinny. Right. But like he's never really. I feel like somebody in the UFC is going to be able to take advantage of that. Like the problem with him is he gets dinged in almost every fight. At some point, yep. you're going to find his chin. Now you might not knock him out, but you're going to find his chin. Right. And I feel like if he runs up against one of the better fighters in the UFC, like if if that happened against uh, um, Donald Cerrone, if Donald Cerrone had been able to find his chin and really ding him, Donald Cerrone would have probably finished him. Yep. And I think he, he's going to go up against some guys in the UFC who have the actual ability to finish him. And, um, We'll see, but I, I think he's going to be a really, really good UFC fighter. Like, I don't think he's going to be some bust or, or somebody who, who's going to get washed out of the UFC because he's too good for that. No, he's he's good. He's got incredible momentum behind him, and, he, and he's an exciting fighter to watch. Like, I was watching that fight, and I was hyped every round. I'm like, oh, man, you know, these guys are going to go. As soon as that bell rings, ding, ding, it just, dude, just come out swinging. You know, Donald Cerrone in that third round, he just came out ready, ready to put somebody to sleep. Yeah, it was it was it was an awesome fight. It was a really really good fight. Well, let's let's go. Let's talk about Demetrius Johnson and pretty much the lunch money mauling of Chris Carasio. <laughs> I couldn't even I couldn't even look at that fight with a straight face because Demetrius Johnson looked like he was like he was solving math problems, playing Xbox and reading a book that entire fight. Like he wasn't even he I don't think he broke a sweat for that fight. Yeah, I don't even understand why this fight was made. Um, I guess maybe because they couldn't get um, him fight, uh, not the uh, uh John Dawson again, because John Dawson tore his knee. Right. Uh, not not really badly, but he, he got injured. So maybe that's why this fight was made. But this fight should not have been made. John Do- uh, Demetrius Johnson is maybe the second best fight in the world. Dude, Maybe he was, the first. He didn't even. He didn't even. He didn't even break a sweat when he got into the north south and he was just dropping bombs on on the dude's body. And then they switched to half guard. At which point the transition from side control to go to the straight arm bar and then switch to the Kimura, blink of an eye, and it was over. It was over. It wasn't even like yeah. He, you know, he didn't even sweat it. He he knows what he's doing in there. He he is an incredibly skilled mixed martial artist. He knows what he's doing in there and. You'll be hard pressed to find 125 that can really beat him. Outside of John Dodson, maybe being able to catch him because John Dodson just hits so damn hard for right. that size. I, I don't see, and he's just as fast as him. I don't see anyone else really being able to do anything to him because he he's so fast, he's so technically sound that he makes these dudes look like amateurs. He makes them look like they don't know what they're doing. That's right. And this is a really good division that just has a a, a champion that's rolling over it right now. Well, the funny um, thing is, and it's unfortunate that. Oh, wait. No, no, no. I was. I was, The only thing I was going to say was that Demetrius Johnson was like, "Yo, I could probably retire with this belt." <laughs> like he kept it real. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he can probably retire with that belt or move back up to one thirty-five because I think at one thirty-five, I mean, I, he would still pose a lot. Of, he got to the title shot at one thirty-five. Like he's still a really good fighter at one thirty-five. Um, so maybe he moves up to one thirty-five at some point, which I think would do the division good because I think moving him up to one thirty-five opens it up. Because I think he's going to end up being like GSP was to 170, where while he was there, you kind of didn't really appreciate how good the dudes he was beating up were. Right. And then once he left, you see how the division has blossomed with all these really, really good fighters that are just around equally matched, and you get some interesting, um, some really interesting matchups. I think with him lording over the division right now, it's going to be really hard for anybody else to kind of move their way into that spot because he's just so dominating over the division right now. But 
my my thing with him is it's it's really unfortunate that the UFC has failed to market him. I was gonna in say any that. way that makes people want to watch him. I'm glad you said that because this is a guy, a kid, a guy. Let's let's be real. This is a guy sponsored by Microsoft by Xbox. Dude has like a legit yep. mainstream sponsor. Why aren't you guys out there like putting this guy in front of the press, trying to get this guy out there? He's well-spoken, eloquent, knows his technique. You, th- This guy should be sitting up in a booth for, for analysis. You should be putting this guy everywhere. Yeah. It's crazy. Um, I, I agree with you completely. Like, even, even if you're not promoting him as a super badass fighter, Promote him as this is a really good fighter. He's really because he knows the sport. He knows the sport really, really well. Yep. Let do do him like that. Have him in the booth. Have him talk about. Have people want to see him because right. you still have the ignorant people out there like, oh, this, he's 125 pounds, or five foot three. I could beat his ass. Which to that I say he'd kill you. Like, yep. He would. <laughs> yeah, he's little, but he'd beat you to death. Like, yep. um, and it's. It's really unfortunate that, that there's still, because the UFC doesn't really market him as such, there's still that idea out there like, oh, well, he's a little, so there's nothing to, he, he, I don't know, I shouldn't want to watch this fight, and it's really unfortunate. Yeah, it's, it's crazy because these are the guys, and, and here's the crazy thing, you can promote the, the women's season of The Ultimate Fighter, and you're promoting them better mm-hmm. than the guys that are champions at 10 pounds heavier. Yeah, <laughs> which is which is which is bananas. I mean, no disrespect to the ladies on the Ultimate Fighter. I've been watching it, and the broadcast their broadcast messed me up to talk about like you know the the live shows. But it's the same thing. It's like when the when the women got the season, dude, it was a blitz, and you know this. It was a blitz. It was like you know fighters on the side of the buildings here in the city, on the trains, everywhere. Super blitz, super blitz. Now, now the guy that's your champion who's ten pounds heavier and is just a a, a destroyer. Nobody even knows who he is. <laughs> Honestly, I don't understand why there hasn't been a one twenty five season of Ultimate Fighter. Like, I don't, I don't get why there hasn't been one. Like, yep. there's enough fighters outside of UFC and it's and needed to do a season. And it's needed, dude. It is needed without. It is needed with no question. And what they should do is let's adopt the medium that they used for the ladies. Yo, the winner of the Ultimate Fighter fights the champion. That's it. That would be a really good idea. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't, especially with this season, like the coaches on this season, especially are secondary. You yep. see very little of them. They're not really, then it, it normally is. They're the focal point. Like the show is about them. They're yep. beef. You um, Gilbert Melendez and Anthony Pettis really don't have a beef. They're just going to fight each other. Right. And so the show is about the fighters. That's right. And if you did a one twenty five season, you got two coaches that don't, not overbearing, not not really making the show about them, and just introduce these guys. You can build stars. This is what the Ultimate Fighter was meant for—to build right. stars. And I think this would be a really good idea to do it with 125ers. But I, I just, I don't, I don't know what the UFC's game plan is with that. Like they, they, they seem to be really lost. Well, you know what was crazy? If you remember, nothing got bigger press than Matt Sarah winning the season and beating GSP. Regardless of whether it was a fluke or not a fluke or whatever, that is a moment that was only made possible by the Ultimate Fighter and that concept. Yeah, plain as day. Yeah, it, it was it was a really fluky win, and and yeah, he 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 got mauled the next time they fought. Right, but that moment would not have happened right without the Ultimate Fighter. You built a star. Matt Sarah still lives off that one night. Oh, he dude. still makes money. Yep. his gym. He himself uh, has said his gym was built off that one night. 
That's right. They give someone an opportunity to have that moment because Chris Carrie also showed in the verbiage. And that's what I mean. You look at it, and the, and again, for, for Chris Carriasso, they're like, oh, yeah, you know, MMA math, he's riding this win streak. Okay, great. So if you put a guy on a season of a show and he wins five fights on a season, why can't he challenge for the belt? Let's be at that point, right? It's MMA math. Why not? Dude won five fights. He yeah. fought his way into the house. He's won, you know, uh, prelims, quarterfinals, semifinals, wins the final, goes and fights the champion. It's five fights, right? <laughs> why not yeah like i'm i'm all for that like give 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 the people what they want like i, I think building up the 125 can only do good things for the ufc and i, I just don't understand why they don't i agree 100 percent. well fighter bonuses all the guys that won them that got them deserve them conor mcgregor took 50k dominic cruz took 50k and tim kennedy even though he lost he made a nice 50k um i do want to talk about bellator because dude alexander Slomenko. He got beat by a guy who I didn't even know who the fuck he was. I'm like, yo, what happened? Yeah, I didn't. <laughs> um, I'm going to be 100% with you. I didn't know who this guy was until nope. I watched the fight and saw Alexander Semenko get choked out. Um, yeah, man. that that if He didn't win a... I don't think he won a... Uh, a tournament either. I think they've more or less gotten rid of the tournament before. Man. And right. that was shocking. Um, Semenko, I mean, I think that's his second loss in... Uh, Two fights, actually. Yeah, think, he yeah, he lost to Tito. Tito. Oh, yeah, he lost to Tito, which is kind of bullshit. Cause <laughs> yeah, Tito was fighting 185 pounds. But um, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know where this dude came from, but they gave him a title shot. And he took full advantage of it. He he choked choked him clean out. Yep. Um, and I, I, he's a champion now. I don't, I don't know what they're going to do with him after that. Um, I guess I'm hearing he's probably going to fight Manoff. Um, oh, Manoff. I'd love to see that. Which I wouldn't be surprised if he does the same thing to Manouf, to be honest with you. I mean, Melvin is not the greatest at all on the ground. But uh, we'll see, man. He, I forgot his name at this point because it's not right in front of me. But, um, yeah, that was shocking. I was, I, was, I was like, oh, man. You know, I came home. I had a DVR. And I started watching it. I get to the main event. And I'm like, oh, man, that dude just lost. Like, it was like, oh, yeah, Alexander Shlomenko lost. Like, the funny thing about Bellator is that they got champions, and no disrespect to them, they're good, they're solid champions, but these aren't guys that are going to ride, you know, 10 fight, 10 title defenses, 5 title defenses. You notice that the titles change fairly fairly decently in Bellator. Yeah. <laughs> Bellator like, gotta call a spade doesn't a spade. have the greatest fighters. Yep. Um, I mean, they got good outside fighters. Of, outside of maybe... Um, Michael Chandler and um oh man I just got the guy that beat him today uh Mike uh God, what was the dude that beat him oh, um, shit. I know you're talking about um the guy with the braids no not the did he have the braids no 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 the black guy um oh man what is that dude name hold on I'm about to look it up now <laughs> um but yeah other, other than those guys Will Brooks Will Brooks yep um yeah like those two dudes are UFC caliber fighters a lot of Bellator fighters are not. Right. Um, you know, Patricio is. Um, oh wait, which one's the little one? Patricio. Yeah, Patricio is not his brother. His brother isn't. Like you know, you, you'll you'll get super talented fighters, then you'll get the the ones that are not so great. And right. Um, I mean, you're not going to get a lot of fighters that are going to hold on to those belts forever. It's just it's just not how it works with them. It's not, and it's just it's just crazy. But you know, the the cards are coming together nicely. They're doing all right. You know, I, I definitely give Scott mm-hmm. Coker credit. He's trying to to reinvent the wheel. So you know, it is what it is. Um. On on the flip side, you know, I just wanted to touch on that real quick. I want to get into this Vanderlei situation. 
And the reason I want to address <laughs> this with you is because they did a very interesting uh, Bleacher Report put out an article. I for, I didn't get to touch on it when I discussed it last week, but they put out an article about how Floyd Mayweather went there and he went before the commission and the commission kissed his ass. And then Vanderlei just got mauled by the commission. They were like, yeah, you're out of here. And it was just crazy to me how they did that, you know, because it was like, I mean, don't get me wrong. Dude ran from the test, but they were just like, yeah, you're out of here. Crazy, right? His his thing with the two situations. Um, the insect, uh, first of all, is land on money. And Floyd Mayweather brings more money in yep. in one fight than the UFC probably does all year. Yep. So, but it was just funny. Uh, they're probably not going to, sus- huh? It was just funny to me. Oh, thank you, Mister Mayweather, for taking time out of your schedule. I was like, oh my god. Yeah, they're probably not going <laughs> to, you know, just slap on the wrist if anything. Right. Um Secondly, with Vandalay, one of the main reasons I think Vandalay got such a a lifetime ban, even though I think a lifetime ban was a bit much. Um, Dude got straight was Pete the Rose. Fact that one, he ran from the test. Two, he didn't show up for anything. Nope. Like it, he 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 kind of made it seem like it was beneath him, and yep. I'm pretty sure they didn't appreciate that. Yep. <laughs> and I mean, to be perfectly honest, he kind of did this to himself. Like as big of a fan of Vanley as as we both are. Yep. This situation was caused by him. Well, that it, was a crazy. Nobody thing. else caused the situation but him. Oh, that and and I definitely make make no excuses for that. What bums me out is like they straight Pete Rose the dude and then Dana White goes and he does an interview with MMA Junkie and he's like yeah pretty much no Hall of Fame for him either and he said the same thing the guy's been Pete Rose there's going to be no Hall of Fame offers and I'm just like but hold on Stefan Bonner's in the fucking Hall of Fame you know what I mean yeah like dude Stephen no, I, Bonner- I agree with you with that yeah it's man Vanderlei did himself no favors no like, he didn't if like and and I, and I don't agree with the UFC saying he shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame when they have you know Frank Shamrock and and all these other dudes that have been pop steroids before in the Hall of Fame. I think the way Vanley went about all of this is what really hurt him. Yep. Um, running away from the test, not showing up to any anything, um, releasing a video where you kind of shit on the UFC before because that happened before uh, Dana made that interview. Right. Like he he just he. He handled the situation so poorly. Oh yeah, he that did nothing to help him. It kind of it, yeah. It, it forced the UFC. Well, it didn't force the UFC, but <laughs> we know Dana. Yep. And he's like, man, fuck you. If you feel that way, fuck you. <laughs> yep. He's not getting into Hall of Fame. Like, and you know, it, it's unfortunate that a great legend of the sport has gone out this way. But he, he, I have really, I can't have much sympathy for him because he did it all to himself. Oh yeah, I, my my sympathy comes from the fact that. Dana White's like, yeah, pretty much he, he he killed himself on that one. And I'm like, so why Stefan Bonner in there? What? Because him and him and Forrest Griffin bled on the canvas for, for 25 minutes. Well, correction, for 15 minutes and all of a sudden put the sport on the map. It's like the sport was still there. It was just blood on a bigger stage. Like Vanderlei is, you look at Vanderlei's record. Like I, I, I put together a, a post and I haven't posted it yet of my 10 favorite Vanderlei fights. Dude, every fight was just, just like warriors, like some hardcore 300. We're going to go out there swinging. I'm going to stomp on your head. I'm going to soccer kick you. I'm just a scary psychopathic dude. The ax murderer moniker is there for a reason. And it's just like, he just flushed it all down the toilet, which I understand, you know, the commission can ban him. And I understand that it just bothers me that Dana White all of a sudden gets on a high horse about the shit. 
Yeah, and, and, and like I said, I think a big reason that Dana White felt that way was kind of the way Vandalay came out with that video. Because the video came out before Dana White did the interview. Yep. And he came out with that video like, well, you know, the UFC doesn't respect the fighters. But, like, you're not in the position to attack them when you're the reason that you have to retire. Yep. Like, no, if you had just, even if you had been popped, <clears throat> you wouldn't have been banned for life. Nope. Chael got um, popped. He's good. You know what I mean? Like even even yeah, he's out for a year or whatever. But Chael is, you know, commission's like, yo, man, it's all good. And also I think that would have been Vanderlei's first official time being popped. So I don't think I don't know how long it'd be, maybe six months at the most, but he wouldn't have been you know, it wouldn't have been like a permanent thing. And he just he he really ruined his standing with the UFC completely. And, you know, I feel bad for the guy because, I mean, this is what he's been doing right. for the better part of two decades. But he he really hurt himself with the UFC and, and, and some fans because you clearly were on something. You would not have ran from a test if you were on something. Oh, and yeah, you really absolutely not. The question, like, was he always on? Because I'm not naive. Like, there's a very good chance when he was in Pride, like most of them, because yep. they didn't really drug test in Pride. Hell no. Um, He was on something. Shit, and, in Pride, they probably encouraged that shit. Yo, it, you're good. <laughs> oh, you're fighting a guy 40 yeah, pounds heavier and, than you? You're good. <laughs> Go ahead, man. Do what you got to do. Yeah, yeah, and, you know, it just it just sucks. It just sucks to see a legend go out this way. Yep, it sucks, and then it's like, like I said, I just, uh, the, the ban and all that, hey, man, you know, Pete Rose, same deal. But for Dana White to just be on some some real holier-than-thou shit, it's like, dude, you got a couple dudes, you, you know, Vitor is fighting for a belt. Fuck you, you know, like... Like that's all you gotta say. Vitor's fighting for a belt. Chael got popped like like three like twice beforehand before it got real crazy, or once beforehand, if I'm correct. You know, a lot of these guys got mm-hmm. popped, and they just you know they're there. But like I said, the biggest defender it, to me is Stefan Bonner because that dude had a title opportunity, not a title opportunity, but he had a main stage opportunity to fight a legend in the sport, risking the credibility of that legend, and he was juiced to the gills. Mm-hmm. You know, and he knew he was. And you knew it, you know, the guy gets on the scale, dude all of a sudden looks like like, like Schwarzenegger on the scale. It's like, yo, what the hell happened to you? You used to be a little little flabby belly dude, you know, you had muscle and stuff, but you weren't coming out there on some on some Adrian Adonis, you know, super ripped up, well, Jesse the Body Ventura type shit, you know, you were just, and, and super aggressive and super hype, that wasn't you, you were crazy, but not that crazy. Yeah, man. I mean, Stefan knew what he was doing. That was his one big moment in the sun, and he was going to. He he knew that was going to be his last fight. Yeah, well, I want to I want to touch on the the Anthony Johnson situation because um you know there, there's more stuff coming Ooh. out. Yeah, his uh the the woman uh, MMA junkie was saying that, that in the report that they put out that the woman called the police but chose not to press charges. Mm-hmm. For the incident where she, she says she was physically threatened. According to what they put out, they said that yeah. the woman contacted police on March 19th to have them force Johnson from Parks Taekwondo where she worked. Um, according to the probate, uh, the, according to the probable cause affidavit, she didn't give a full account at the time of what happened. So then it wasn't until the next day that the school contacted the police to document a text he got from Johnson that she told her story. So a lot of sketchy things in this entire situation. But the thing that gets me is that the lady said that Johnson grabbed her by the neck, you know, grabbed her behind the neck, lifted her up from the chair by her shirt, and then grabbed her right arm. And then she had bruising on her forearm and, you know, allegedly a reddish reddish scratch mark on her collarbone. The thing that gets me is you said you had video. Where is it? 
That's the only thing I want to see. You said you had video. Yeah. You said you had it. Where is it? That's it. Yeah. There's a lot of pieces of this that I want to hear more about before I make a yep. huge judgment on Anthony Johnson. Um, though, <clears throat> I'm hearing there's another woman that claims the abuser. And if that's the case, then we got a uh, problem. They need to go ahead and, yeah, if that's the case, they need to go ahead and let Johnson go. Yep. Um, unfortunately, um, in the climate that we're in right now, can't be doing that. You know, the UFC, yeah, the UFC, <clears throat> you know, with, with, you know, War Machine about to go to jail probably for the rest of his life, <laughs> with them, uh, cutting, um, Tiago Sant, uh, I'm about to say Santos, Tiago, uh, Tiago Silva. Wow. Yeah, Silva. I couldn't remember that. Man. Uh, who I don't think they should have resigned nope. again to begin with. But, nope. I mean, because not getting, having charges dropped is a lot different than being exonerated. It's, exactly. It's a whole lot different. But, well, it's, um, a, it, with, with Tiago that, before, um, not to cut you off, with Tiago last week, not last week, the week before, all I said was, dude had a standoff with a SWAT team. Doesn't matter yeah. whether the charges got dropped or not. They had to call a SWAT team to come and get you. That automatically shows yeah, that there's act- a problem. Yeah, that that happened. And <laughs> that that's kind of a warning sign. Like yep. maybe we shouldn't resign this guy because even though she didn't press charges, he was doing something that the SWAT team got. And maybe we should yep. show up. Yep. Let's uh let's yep. go there. That's right. Maybe we should we, maybe that's where we need to be. <laughs> yeah, it was so, crazy. Um. So you know. Um. So hopefully with Anthony Johnson, this is a big misunderstanding of some sort, or he lost his temper and wasn't like you know constantly beating some some woman. Right. And it doesn't sound like he actually beat her. It sounds like he yoked her up and was rough with her. He not. But hopefully he used this the, is just something. The huh? shake that he used to shake the shit out of you. Yeah. So hopefully it's just like some kind of you know lover spat where he he lost his temper. Being as he's a giant human being, he picked <laughs> her up and, and, and shook her or something, and, and that, that's the end of it. Hopefully, that's the end of it. But if there's more to it, and if, and, if, and if there's really multiple women that he's done this to, then he needs to be cut from the UFC. There's no, there's no excuse for that kind of behavior. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's all, it's, all, it's all crazy legal stuff, man. The Nick Diaz DUI, where he was just like, yeah, I pled, gu- I pled not guilty. And, you know, Dana White, they're like, oh, Dana White, what do you think about it? And his response, and again, this is the bullshit. He's like, he's a grown man. He's got to deal with the situation. The harder part for Nick Diaz is Nick Diaz is going to show up. Is Nick Diaz going to show up at his court appearance? <laughs> like, that's what Dana White says. You don't show up, then warrants come out for your arrest, and you probably go to jail. But you see, going back to what we were talking about with, with, with like, Vanderlei, you see how nonchalant, it's like the dude got popped twice for a Dewey, and you're just like, yeah, it's all good. Dude had a, a a blood alcohol level allegedly of above point eight, you know, and I'm and he, yeah. Yeah, it's all good. <laughs> you know, I'm like, what the hell is that? And I and I like Nick Diaz, but mm, come on, it's not all good. It's it's kind of bad. That's, yep, that's not a thing that should happen. Um, hopefully Nick Diaz shows up to his court date. Hopefully, if he needs help with alcohol or whatever the problem is, he gets it. Um, but. I, they're gonna make excuses for Nick Diaz because Nick Diaz gets the money. Yep. Um. That, unfortunately, that's the way the world works. If Absolutely. You make company money; they will allow you to do other certain things that other people can't do. Um. So hopefully, hopefully, nothing else comes of this. He shows up to court. Doesn't make it a bigger thing than it has to be. Um. But I mean, we are talking about Nick Diaz. And, <laughs> that is true. Yeah. So. So showing up to court might be a problem. Well, if he drops out, you know, Benson Henderson's talking about going up to one seventy. <laughs> you know, him and Anderson Silva could scrap. 
which is really, really dumb. Well, supposedly uh, he says that he just has issues cutting weight. Okay, well, find a better way to cut weight. He is <laughs> too small for one time. Um, I mean, he's not tiny, but he's he's a big 155er, but I think he'll be a really small 170. I mean, Johnny Hendricks walks around near 200 pounds. So does Robbie Lawler. Like, right. these dudes are huge. <laughs> yep. So, uh, I, just, I just don't think that's a good idea. Well, there you have it. Um, we got two. We got a doubleheader UFC card. We got one on UFC Fight Pass. Then we got UFC uh, Fight Night 54, Roy McDonald, Tarek Safadine. Uh, that card's going to be on Fox Sports 1, 10 p.m. Prelims are going to be on Fox Sports 2 at 8 p.m. Uh, pretty solid card. A uh, couple decent fights there. Yep. I did. I did want to talk about Rashad Evans because he's talking about coming back and he wants to fight Alexander Gustafson when he comes back. I'm like, why are you doing this to yourself? <laughs> Well, I mean, I think he could give Gustafson some issues um, if they were to fight. Um, now, I don't think that would be a fight. This is I'm talking about Rashad Evans when he fought recently. Right. Like he has, yeah, he hasn't fought in a while. So probably not the best idea to fight probably the third best light yep. heavyweight in the world. Very true. But, I mean, I mean, he thinks he can win. Um, and if the Anthony Johnson fight can't happen because he's out here smacking women, um <laughs> Then that would be the next logical step, like um, because I I, I would I want to see how Gustafson does against a good wrestler because I don't think the Agreed. next time him and John Jones fight it'll be contested on the feet very long. No, 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 no. That's that that's gonna be that's gonna be he's gonna have to learn to sprawl and brawl because he's gonna get stuffed immediately. Yeah, like I don't think John Jones is obviously like not that I don't think John Jones is scared because I think he beat him on the feet, but I don't think John Jones is gonna be like you know what let me let me prove I can do that again. Like nah. Yeah. Well, we're going to the ground. <laughs> yeah, we're going to the ground. Well, I know one. I'm better. Yeah, so you know, definitely, definitely a crazy fight. Now, to to bring things uh, full circle, the the Kung Lee thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Kung <laughs> Lee's been a guest on the show. Cool dude. Um, but I was just super disappointed because I'm like, dude, man, you go out there, you juice, you take HGH, like the real hardcore and shit. Lie. You lie and you lose. <laughs> you know, that's what gets me. Like you front. You fight and you lose either way. It wasn't even just a lie; it was the bullshit of the lie. Yep. Like this was just me after a great workout or something. Like, what? What workout makes you look that much bigger? Yeah, like, that's impossible. not even a thing. <laughs> nope. Like you like, can have a post-workout pump, ridiculous. but not like that. So what? You can have a post-workout pump, so but not like that. You know, you could be you could be fully pumped yeah. after a workout, but not vascular and shit, not looking like you know, like you're like you Bruce Lee. Come on, dude. Yeah, like he looked humongous, and he's like, "Oh, it's the lighting, and you know how I look." Like, no, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. And 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 all the fighters knew. Like, <laughs> all of them knew after that fight that he was probably juicing. I mean, Brian Sam made the point to be like, "I'm glad that he didn't win because it kind of shows that she just don't win." And 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 I agree with him. Like, it's unfortunate, but I mean, Cudley, I mean, he's an older dude. Right? I think Cudley's yeah. like 42, 43. Yep. I guess he felt like he needed some extra help for this fight. Um, he still has ass beat. Absolutely. Which makes it even worse by someone who doesn't hit very hard. Well, um, here's, here's the thing, dude. It's and, like everybody juices to fight Bisping. That was the joke. It's like, yo, what is Michael Bisping doing that dudes stay having to juice up to fight him? Yeah, I mean, it's just, <laughs> I don't know. It's uh, I, 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 it's unfortunate that Kung Lee felt he needed to do this because this kind of hurts him in the fact that he probably is not fighting again. Nah. This is probably it for Kung Lee. And his last fight is going to be marred with you were juiced out of your mind. Yep. 
It's like, dude, you want a juice for a role? Fuck it. You know, whatever. They're not testing you in Hollywood. And actors do that shit all the time. Yeah. But, dude, you, you knew what, what time it was. And you should have known that just because you were fighting in Macau, that you were still going to get tested. Still. Yeah, that's why the UFC does their own testing. That's and, right. <laughs> and honestly, they don't have to release these results. But they did, which shows they they were kind of probably annoyed by it. Like yep. you lied, you 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 really really you lied really badly. Yep. And and I'm sure Dana White that that that's one of those Dana White's like fucking guys, man. What are they doing? You know, like like you have to look at that, and you're like, dude, you fought in China. You know, you're I'm marketing you as a star out there. You know, because you bring people mm-hmm. into the into the crowd. You bring people here. And you cheated. You not only were a poor representation of our of our organization, but you're a poor representation of your country because we used you to bring people in. Mm-hmm. It's like, crazy. That's that's the problem. Like he was the draw. Yep. He's always the draw when he fights in China, and they. It, it's really unfortunate that they basically now the UFC has an egg on their face because this dude that they're using as a draw in China was juiced. And now they had to be like, well, we didn't know, you know, this and a third. And it just, it just makes them look bad when it didn't have to. Yep. And, and, you know, GSP in the last interview he did, he was like, listen, until they get some stricter fucking testing, I ain't coming back. I mean, he probably will. But it was funny that he's like, yo, I want strict testing and I'm willing to undergo strict testing. So fuck it. Everybody does. I'm not trying to go out there and have my legacy tarnished by some dude who a couple of months later, it comes out that he was on the gas. Yeah, which is why if I was Chris Wyman, I wouldn't fight Vitor Belfort because you have no idea what's coursing through his veins. Yep. But, um... But Weidman like, wants I w- that. I wouldn't fight him at all. Weidman <laughs> wants that so bad, dude, because he wants to put that dude out. Yeah, no, I, and, and I understand that, that way of thinking. Just me, personally, I'd be like, bro, you gotta get blood tested, urine tested, like, all, you gotta get tested every yep. day up to the fight, including the day of the fight and after the fight. Like, I'm... You won't be as uncomfortable as hell to fight me. Yep, because at that point, <laughs> at that point, and this was it was funny because I saw somebody on Twitter said it. They're like, "Listen, the HGH tests are getting good too now. Like, you can't even you you don't you can't even skate thinking, yeah, they don't test for that. Y- yeah, they are. They they caught Kung Lee. You know why they they put Kung Lee out there too? Like you said, because they couldn't they didn't have to announce the results and they could have just suspended him quietly. But they also announced the results because it was their way of letting these dudes know, hey, if you're on HGH, cut the shit." Because we could find you this time. Yeah, I mean, because I mean, they don't even HGH test in the NFL, which yep um, is unfortunate. But because it's harder to test for, it's or not MLB to test for. Look at Barry Bonds and MLB. <laughs> and, say what? <laughs> Look at Barry Bonds when he was playing. You knew he was on HGH because his head went up three hat sizes. See, you know what's funny about that is I was too young to know what Barry Bonds looked like before he got on steroids mm-hmm. when, when this was all happening. Right. And then I went back as I got older and looked at it. Like, he looks like two different people. Yep. So does Mark McGuire. Like, there's Mark... no way he's not on steroids. Yep. Mark <laughs> like, McGuire. I didn't even know that. <laughs> it was crazy. I saw Mark McGuire. I'm like, dude, looks like a coat hanger. Not even the same dude. Yeah. Just not yeah. possible. Like, Barry Bonds became a giant human being, and... It's unfortunate that he like like another dude like he tarnished his legacy because he's probably he was a Hall of Famer before the drugs like it's just it's really unfortunate. Yep, and that's what happens. That's why like 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 Kung Lee. It's like dude, you know, you were the face of a sport. You know, you're a representative of San Shao. You would you would legit everybody liked you. You were a good marketable dude, and now you turn around and it's like yeah no. And it's true, like you said, dude's forty two. 
He's got a decent movie career. Dana White's like, yeah, you want to come back at 43? He's going to be like, nah, I'm good. And that'll be it. And then he'll quietly he'll retire. The movie. <laughs> yeah. He'll go do some movie where, where he fights Van Damme in, in some super Filipino neighborhood. And um, that'll be it. Like that last flick he did. I was like, really, dude? You took time off for to fight Peter Weller and, you know, old man Robocop and Steven Seagal was your teacher. Like that was that was the whole big to do. Like, no, this, like if you told me, yo, you, he took off to do, do man with the iron fist. I'm like, all right, you know, that's, that's more dough. But dude, you took off to fight Robocop. Come on. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, yeah, I, I'm not. I'm, it's crazy. It's just, yeah. <laughs> no, I, yeah, you, you're not, yeah. <laughs> I have no comment on this. Yeah, and that's what I mean. It's like, like, like if you're going to get bagged, at least get bagged and be like, listen, I had to juice for a role. And be legit. Yo, I had to juice for a role because I had to look a certain way. And I thought I'd be off cycle because I wasn't fighting. And I got caught out there. I fucked up. I'm sorry. But don't be, no, 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 man. I look like this all the time. No, you don't. You are 42. You look like a 42-year-old guy in shape. That's it. Like, like stop. Stop Stop lying Basically. to you. Dude, it's like, it's like I turned 34. And it's like my boss mm. says to me, he goes, when you turn 40, like I did, he goes, all this fun shit you think you're doing, you're going to wake up, you're going to hurt a little bit more, and shit's just going to be harder. You know? And it's true. It's like, even now at 34, when I was 24, I'd eat like shit, I'd hit the gym, I'd be full-on monster, and now it's like, it's harder to lose those extra 10 pounds without really going through the ringer, or those extra 15 pounds. But it's like, dude, you are 42. <laughs> 42. Um. I mean, I mean, I'm still in the 24. Well, I am 24, so I, I, <laughs> I don't look forward to the 42. But that's what I'm yeah, saying. I mean, it's, I mean, you, it's unfortunate that that's what how he's gonna go out. Yep. So, um, you know that that actually uh closes out the news for the week. Um, like I said uh, earlier, you did a, a double HND uh, podcast that I was in the office, but um. You know, your 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 audio continues to improve. You're getting more comfortable. Um, definitely props. You, you, yep. you guys are killing it. Uh, you know what's weird, though? The hip-hop scene, for, for yeah. some reason, during the fall is just weird. Like, there's just some weird shit out there. Yeah, and also not a whole lot that's really worth talking about, to be right. honest. Like, we, we I made the comment, like, uh, when we began the show, like, because um, I had a friend of mine who commented, uh, who made a comment to me uh, at work, like, y'all really actually talk about hip-hop. I'm like, well, there ain't really shit to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> like, we would, we, we will when there's something to talk about. And, I mean, I don't really want to talk about Amber Rose and Wiz Khalifa getting a divorce, so. Yeah, no. Like, I mean, we're at a stage um, with that stuff. When I read that, all I said to myself is, really? I thought that was done already. Because that's where we're at. Like, 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 that's where music is at. Like, music isn't even about music. Like, I turned on the radio and I'm like, I'm listening to some, I forgot who it was. I think it was Big Crit. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. I'm like, this shit ain't for me. And I felt real old when I, when I said it. I was like, damn, this, nope, can't do it. Well, I actually really like Big Crit, but it might just be a Southern thing. But, I mean, it's just, you know, um, it's, <laughs> I don't really listen to the radio, so I kind of, I kind of make my own kind of views on music and it's just i don't know like there's it's been a really slow i mean it's supposed to pick back up in the next couple months with a couple of albums coming out but for the most part it's been a really slow couple months to be yep. honest with you it's all it's all uh kanye west news stories him telling son and people in wheelchairs you know beyonce and, and jay-z's bullshit ass concerts not bullshit but you know oh they're doing a concert together everybody has to go and pay thousands of dollars and not pay their rent 
<laughs> like that's I how it is. concert once. I'm not going again because it was too expensive. <laughs> that's how that's how it goes, man. It's it's just craziness. But um, did you guys uh get a consistent schedule? I I kind of feel that you guys are kind of in a zone now where you're doing it every Wednesday. Is that going to be it going forward? Um, we're going to try to do it on Wednesdays. The problem with that is my work schedule. Um, or well, both of our work schedules. Honestly, we both have kind of rotating work schedules, so it's kind of hard to do it every, uh, on a particular day. But we're trying to get it at least in the middle of the week every week. Right. So it's not Wednesday, like Thursday or something like that, but we're, we're trying to get it around that time. Well, I know you've been touching on football too, so it's like at least on Wednesday you can talk about yeah. all the Sunday games, and if you go into a Thursday, then you can't really touch on the Thursday night game. So, I mean, the only other option might be Fridays. Yeah, yeah, we're, we're trying to we, – that, that was the hardest part because I really do want to get it on a consistent day. Right. But, like, with my job – and his job, like, it's hard to get it on, like, all right, if we want to do it on a certain day, unless we do it early in the day, it's hard to get it on, you know, that, that one consistent day. So we've kind of been working on it. We have got the last couple episodes on um, on Wednesday because it allows us to, you know, do football and also because we're doing our little weekly Gotham rundown right. um, that, you know, it gives everybody the opportunity to actually see the show um, before we talk about it. So um, we're, we're trying to get it on a day like that, but, you know, it's it's a process. <laughs> Yeah, they um they put out the the you know uh, before we wrap up, it's funny you bring up Gotham. They put out a a, a preview for like the rest of the season, and I was just like, <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be real. It's gonna be real, dude. Arkham Asylum. I have not seen that, and yeah. I'm going to look for that. <laughs> yeah, all right, dude. All I gotta say, Arkham Asylum, Mister Zaz. That's all I gotta say. Like the real shit. And that, huh. that yeah, yeah so, I heard about uh Mister Zaz being introduced at some point so yep. i'm looking forward to that well the, the thing i've been doing is I, I i haven't i haven't watched this week's episode but everybody says that you got to make it a point and and i and, and i'm i'm guilty of it now everybody says you have to watch it and there's always there's always clues about the joker in every episode yeah and it's crazy yeah like i'm yeah. watching uh, dude hardcore just hardcore watching like yep yep no damn that's not it you know yeah, they um I read somewhere that they're going to do it, at some point they're going to actually introduce him. Yep. Or at least who they're but uh right now it's just every episode there's going to be something that's a Joker homage of some sort. Yep. So yeah, man, I'm again, you know, I'm I'm happy you're you're touching on more stuff, you're doing a lot more variety. It makes me feel good that another another person's doing it the same way just unconventional. So definitely stay on it. Uh make sure you guys check it out. It's uh mixler.com forward slash uh blackout eighty nine is the u it's on the username, right? Not on the show name. Uh no, it's uh it's under the show name now. Oh, okay. Uh, it's on the double H and D. The first episode kind of got lost because we had to switch it over. But right. um yeah, the um it's under double H you just uh mixer.com slash double H and D and it'll be right there, the whole show real. Yeah, I'll make sure to put it in the show notes. You can also find Ben on Twitter at Blackout eighty nine and of course on our fan pages as well. Always ready to talk some MMA, always ready yep, to yep. talk some comics. Uh be on the lookout. He's gonna be doing some comic reviews uh in the coming in the coming weeks. There's a lot of stuff on the horizon. Yep. But again, if you're a fan of hip hop <clears throat> excuse me, hip hop, uh pro football, you you you're a pro football enthusiast definitely uh check out ben and his boy out really breaking down the sport acknowledging a lot of the bullshit out there uh sometimes they get into some fantasy stuff which is good because you know dudes dudes are going a little mm. hard for the league so definitely check them out <laughs> yep I'm, I'm in a fantasy league right now with about 200 dollars on the line and trying to win the league so there you go all right man uh anything else you want to add no, that's about it. Um, just, you know, everybody check out the show when you get a chance. There you go. All right, brother. Thanks for the assist tonight. I appreciate it. All right. Peace. Peace.
There you go, ladies and gents. That was Ben, uh, Double HND Podcast. I'll make sure to put the links for that in this week's show notes. Uh, we got some wrestling on deck. Let's get into it. I know we're a little bit over the uh, the hour and a half, but it's all good. You know, we uh, very packed week of MMA news. So let's get into the wrestling side of things. Booker T, you know what time it is. We want the gold, sucker. Hulk Hogan, we're coming for you, nigga. All right, My Take Radio's wrestling segment is brought to you by WWEShop.com. Use our promo code WWESAFE10 to save $10 on orders over $70 or more. Again, WWEShop.com. You can find promo codes and ads on MyTakeRadio.com and RageWorks. As always, like I said, uh, every purchase you do via an ad helps us out, allows us to continue to improve the show, get better equipment, etc., etc., etc. You guys know the deal. Let's get into the week's wrestling news. So, Monday Night Raw this week, last week... Raw was Ambrose. It was all Ambrose. Everybody was happy. People felt good about it. Then we fast forward to this week. And Raw was in Chicago. CM Punk chant out the wazoo. And um, the funny thing was that they finally decided to acknowledge the Seth Rollins attempted cash-in on Brock Lesnar. And it was it was a very, very uh, well-done segment because, again, Paul Heyman just brings everything full circle. But I did feel that they waited too long to acknowledge it they really just went under they went under the radar and they said oh yeah we should talk about this and i didn't like that because wrestling is about you know touching on the relevant angles consistently every time instead it's like oh yeah this week this this and this and oh yeah that pay-per-view that happened, yeah, we should talk about that shit. And it bothers me because that was a ve- there's a lot of great potential there. There's uh, Lesnar and Heyman turning on the authority. Seth Rollins going into business for himself. The authority turning on Paul Heyman. There's so many different layers that can be utilized for the story that I just didn't understand why they let that just float along. Float along. The, the, you know, last week. And then this week, it's like, oh, yeah, we got to talk about it because we got to fill in TV time. That's what it felt like. Overall, the segment was OK. But again, I just felt that it really it, it was too little too late. The, I will say that Ambrose added to that segment because obviously now WWE realizes Roman Reigns isn't coming back. Dean Ambrose, the crowd is into him. So I guess we need to put him out there. So at this point, it felt like WWE was just trying to placate the audience. And they, and I realized, and some people may agree with this, that you're in hostile territory in Chicago. So rather than try and play the audience because you know they want CM Punk, you might as well promote Ambrose to kind of distract the audience from getting into the whole CM Punk uh, chanting and, and interrupting the flow of the show. And I kind of felt that that's what they did. They figured, let's use Ambrose. The crowd is into him. He's an anti-hero. Let's just put him out there and see what happens. And I did, and I did feel that Ambrose's involvement and his ascension into the upper card is great. But I also feel that if the WWE pushes it too aggressively, they're going to turn the crowd on Ambrose because the crowd is, we're smarter. The crowd is a smarter crowd. Again, depending on what city, and Jay can attest to this, there are some cities where, where the crowd is just dead. And then there are some cities where the crowds are just amazing. You know, Canada, New York, 
uh, Florida sometimes, Los Angeles uh, again. You know, it's just a matter of, of capturing that lightning in a bottle. And I feel that with Ambrose, they're just taking that lightning in a bottle and they're trying to catch it because they have no choice, you know? And that's how it is. That That's really how it is. But let's talk matches. Uh, Dolph Ziggler took on Cesaro and The Miz in a triple threat match for the IC title. A very, very, very good match. But I continue to, to stand by the fact that Cesaro needs to win a belt. I mean, Dolph Ziggler can definitely add some prestige to the IC title, but you need a guy like Cesaro in there. He is a complete wrestler. He has a great move set. The crowd really wants to cheer this guy, and Creative just continues to shovel shit on top of him. It's insane that even that he ate the pinfall. He ate the pinfall immediately. And I'm just like, really such a great match and instead you just sweep Cesaro under the rug and you decide to go into not panic mode but you realize Cesaro's going to be the filler in in a match between two guys who they have great chemistry together but you need to tighten up the wrestling like that's how I feel Dolph Ziggler a great wrestler sells moves tremendously but the Miz just can't bring out that same level of of competition because the Miz is a very fundamental wrestler and that's not a knock against the Miz it's just that the Miz is very by the book his matches are very very compact very very structured meanwhile a guy like Cesaro you know the, the, during that figure four spot he does the mushroom stomp you know the, the the double stomp on Dolph Ziggler to break up the move you know the 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 spontaneity the 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 shock to move the match on that's what Cesaro is he's like the glue that's holding that match together because he's that guy Cesaro is without a doubt the the un, the 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 glue of most matches that he's in because he's a ring general he's got great presence and he knows how to tell an amazing story he does and his move set is conducive to that because his move set also makes his opponents look good because when he hits you with you know the psycho the psycho crusher elbow off the ropes you know that springboard elbow when a guy like Dolph Ziggler sells that it makes Cesaro look better but yet he'll go in there with a guy like John Cena and mix it up in a more technical match and still deliver the goods again Cesaro is the glue when it comes to wrestling in in, in the in the current WWE structure Daniel Bryan was a guy like that um you know, uh, guys like Kurt Angle, those are guys that are like the glue of these matches. And you know who's who's kind of starting to get into that a little bit, and I'm noticing it? Jack Swagger. For, for all his negatives, Jack Swagger's really starting to put together some very tight, cohesive matches. I mean, you know, the whole Bo Dallas thing and all that, and Rusev, very... It didn't do him any favors, but it did show that he can actually carry a match, which was impressive, and it just shows the development of him as a performer. But that's a separate that's a separate issue. Uh, WWE announced their partnership with uh, Coleman for the Cure, and I did want to acknowledge that um, for a couple of reasons. Um, as someone who has worked with Coleman for the Cure, I felt that they're you know I feel that as an organization they are tremendous. Uh, we we've worked with them uh, two years in a row. We've raised a lot of money. We've done great things, and um, a couple people were asking if we're going to be working with Coleman for the Cure again uh, this year, and. Um, to touch on that and that's why i didn't talk about it in the in the show you know in the in the 
the start of the show. Uh, we've been approached about it, but I think we may try something a little different this year, depending on how it goes again, because, you know, as much as I, I, I love you guys and I like you guys tuning in and supporting the show, when it comes to stuff like that, we need to do better. We need to do better, we need to do bigger, and we need to make an impact. And like I said, we've, we we did that the first two years, uh, the third year, eh, you know, the third year, well, correction, first year was amazing, second year was okay, and then when we tried our hands on it, the, the third time, it, it needs work. But uh, once we figure it out, we will address it. But with regards to WWE and their partnership with Coleman for the Cure, I think it is a, uh, a great event. The merchandise they put out is awesome. Awesome. Um, their their shirt that they put out with the uh, the three C's uh, was really well done. Just a black shirt with some pink. You know, I'd wear it. I don't give a shit. And um, you know, I commend them for their involvement. It was cool that they um, they were doing that. And you know, Hogan's involvement later on was awesome. So I just wanted to touch on that and bring that up. Uh, match wise, let's let's backtrack a little bit and talk about the rest of raw uh the divas layla with summer ray took on rosa with natalia tyson kid was there it was just a disaster everything about that match was terrible from uh rosa losing a hair extension to tyson kid just hanging out looking like a complete toolbox it was a it was a terrible match and it just i continue to say the same thing i've said week in and week out stop using your flagship show for angle advancement for total divas it just it does nobody any favors. It makes the women involved look terrible. It really brings the match quality down. And on top of that, people just spend the bulk of that time shitting on the match because it's terrible. It really, really is terrible. But what can you do? I mean, they're going to they, they, they it's really um, I don't want to say it's bipolar booking, but it really is fluctuating because one week, oh, we're going to acknowledge Total Divas and it's going to be an angle this week. And then next week, eh, you're just going to have a match and that's going to be it. And it's very disjointed. And I understand you want people to tune into Total Divas because it's on E and you're trying to capture a new audience, but you're sacrificing the ability of some of your better performers just to try and, and cultivate some sort of of synergy between your stupid reality show and your three-hour live broadcast. I'm just not a fan. Simple as that. So after after that travesty, we got a a brand-new Dean Ambrose segment, which was um, very, very amusing. A lot of really, really great improv from Ambrose, especially when when they came out, uh, Joey Mercury and Jamie Noble, and he was like, oh, they sent the cruiserweight division out here. And it was just little things like that, really little subtle touches that really made Ambrose a star that, you know, Monday night. It really put him uh, head and shoulders above a lot of guys on the roster because there was great improv, there was great, um, you know, just great presence. The only thing that some people found it funny, some people didn't, you know, the whole Nickelodeon sliming uh, Seth Rollins, it was all right. I I found it kind of amusing, but I found it amusing in the same way uh, a 40-year-old man finds a fart joke amusing. You know, the, that, that's the, the, you know, just from a juvenile sense, you're like, haha, that's funny. You know, he's he got slimed. But in terms of just the overall product, Ambrose is a, is a psychopath. Like, if you wanted to really drive the point home, Seth Rollins could have came out, Ambrose could have opened it up, opened up the briefcase, said, yeah, you know, Kane, you like fire and stuff. Well, I hope you like this and just have him pour lighter fluid and throw a match into the case and burn the contract or whatever was in there. And yes, you know doing that, you know, doing that 
Sure, it would have been a little dark, a little crazy, but that's more where I see Ambrose's character. You know, I see a guy like Stardust sliming somebody because he's he's crazy. You know, that Frank, that Frank Gorshin Riddler, 1966 Batman crazy zaniness. A guy like Ambrose is supposed to be, you know, damaged goods crazy. And doing that just it didn't work. Like I said, you could have just, oh, you got personal property in here? Well, not anymore and just have him burn the the briefcase and Rollins would have ran out with a fire extinguisher and put it out and you could have done something with that at the end of the day you want that money in the bank briefcase to look like it like they took it to Iraq as far as Dean Ambrose and it's and and his involvement with Seth Rollins that briefcase should look like it just took a beating up until you know Seth Rollins cashes it in because the briefcase can tell a story which I liked I mean like I said the whole thing with Stephanie McMahon and and Ambrose and you know Noble and Mercury it was funny because it was shades of uh Gerald Briscoe Pat Patterson and Vince McMahon but it really didn't help Ambrose if you're trying to get him over as like this crazy lunatic you know Jay Jay says in the chat they should have let him have it for like a month. I agree. It's, you know, he steals it and he's just going crazy. And Slick makes up a valid point. When Ziggler was with AJ, the briefcase was all dented and fucked up. And it's true. You want the briefcase to kind of be a a, a, um, a co-star. Like if Rollins and Ambrose are feuding, then it should be the, the briefcase should be there because Seth Rollins knows that it's not about the briefcase. It's about the fact that he can cash in it at any time. But Ambrose, since he's so crazy, he figures that taking it from Rollins is going to bother him. And that's that's where the real story is. And unfortunately, they're trying to do this zany, wacky, and, and it's not necessary. It's really, really not necessary. I did like Ambrose throwing the merchandise into the crowd. You know, that was really good because he's just a lunatic. You know, I liked when he's when he said, oh, look, a Seamus shirt. So who's I, I'll sell this for 25 cents or when he saw his own shirt and he's like, I'm, I'm not unstable and, and things like that. It's just little subtle touches that really brought everything full circle. And I thought that that was just a great segment, but I it, it could have been paced a little better and done a little bit more effectively. That's all. That's all I got to say. Um, Mark Henry took on Bo Dallas in a terrible, terrible match. Well, it upset me because I said to myself, Mark Henry is probably one of the more serviceable big guys that you got that could pose a threat in any division. I see U.S. tag team division in a faction um, as a heel. Instead, you're jobbing him out to, to Diaper Baby. And it just bothers me because Bo Dallas, his gimmick, it's okay. It's kind of amusing. There's a little quirkiness in there. But come on, he's, he, you job out Mark Henry to Bo Dallas. And I hate to say it because, you know, and, and, and Jay, Jay says this all the time, you know, using the term job, we throw it around a lot. You know, this guy got jobbed out to this guy. But Mark Henry legitimately got played in that match. Played. And I understand, you know, you're trying to do the whole thing with Bo Dallas and Mark Henry got his heat back. But the loss is the loss simple as that and Bo Dallas as far as I'm concerned there is no upside to him yet no upside whatsoever none but they continue to insist on trying to get this whole Bo leave Tim Tebow thing over and and people they've they they found it amusing initially especially in NXT but now on such a big on a bigger stage with a bigger audience it just looks like such a such an amateur hour uh gimmick 
and I, and I'm it's unfortunate that Mark Henry had to be a victim of it. That that's that's where I stand. Now, we got a twofer with another Divas match, Brie Bella versus Eva Marie and Cameron. And this was set up by Nikki Bella in one of the worst worst exchanges i i also found it amusing that nikki bella's talking and just the crowd just could care less you can hear a pin drop because they didn't even know whether they should boo chant what it was just a terrible terrible exchange and honestly this bella twins feud just it, we we need to move past it because you're trying to tie it into total divas you're trying to tie it into the belt and it's not doing anyone any favors brie brie bell is a a serviceable wrestler nikki bell is also serviceable she's become better in the ring but it shouldn't be such a focal point as it's been and then you send out the gruesome twosome who can't wrestle at all to try and put a match together and it was just a disaster a disaster like if you would have sent eva marie and maybe somebody a little bit more uh, a little bit more solid in the ring it wouldn't have been as it wouldn't be that bad but you sent out the two chicks who together can't even equal one functional diva it's insanity and then like i said brie bella not a great wrestler but if you put her in there with shit she's gonna look just as terrible it really it really just was not the right way to do things and then then you take that and you go out there with Slater Gator and the Matadors and and Hornswoggle once again feuding with with El Torito and it's just it was just terrible. It was like wrestling, 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 shit. Oh, some wrestling because that's what we do. More shit. Oh, another decent wrestling match and more shit. Again, very, very, very disjointed. Now the the Mark Henry Rusev segment was okay, but WWE had to apologize for that segment, and I'll get into that when we talk about the news. But again, Rusev, we know where this is going. Every guy that Rusev is in there with, it's just going to be a step up, a step up, a step up until you get him either into a title picture or you have him feud with a guy that really needs to get over. That's that's how it is. Either Rusev, you get him over by continuing to step up in competition, or you finally scre- you finally sacrifice Rusev to to put over somebody else. And again, the Big Show, it's a placeholder feud. I can't even I can't even shit on it because you know what the outcome is going to be. Everybody knows that you could see it a mile away. Jay says with regards to the Divas, I don't even know who's a heel diva anymore. Exactly. One minute, everybody's all total divas. Yeah. And then next minute, they hate each other. And while I understand, while I understand that's part of the process in terms of just trying to tell a narrative from week to week, it just doesn't work. Doesn't work at all. So the only decent serviceable match that we had with with the Divas was AJ Lee and Alicia Fox. And that was just because Alicia Fox is a, is a solid, solid wrestler. But I will say that she she really felt I really felt she had no place. She, she was just tossed in there to fill in to fill in the gaps until AJ and Paige have another match. And, um, you know, that was the only thing that kind of brought the match full circle. Alicia Fox was pretty much there. Uh, you know, Slick said Slick said it. Yeah, Alicia Fox was an afterthought. It's almost like, all right, we can't have AJ face any of the chicks from Total Divas because it does nothing. Who else can we use? Who's who's not on Total Divas that can give us a decent match? Oh, Alicia Fox isn't doing anything. Let's use her. 
And that's that's unfortunate because you still got Natalia. You still, you know, you still got a, a decent crop of divas. You got a lot of great promising talent in NXT, but you can't even book a decent match between two passable wrestlers. And especially in the AJ and Paige feud, it needs to be between them and stop utilizing uh, Brie Bella, Nikki Bella, Alicia Fox. Stop throwing so many third wheels into this feud because the, these two women can feud perfectly fine by themselves. That's all I'm saying. So after this match, we got a, a video package, which obviously is is giving us all a lot of chills because we know that the package is pretty much um, implying that they're going to start breaking up the Wyatt family. And this bothers me because these guys haven't even scratched the surface of, of, of being a force in the WWE, and they're already contemplating breaking them up which is crazy because there's so much more you can do with all three of those guys as a unit versus splitting them up. I'll tell you guys right now, when you split them up, Luke Harper is going to do a decent job in the mid card. Bray Wyatt definitely can make some serious noise in the upper card, but, but Eric Rowan, Eric Rowan's not going to have anything to do. Oh, it's the guy in the sheet mask. That's it. Like slick just said, Rowan will disappear. He will he will most definitely disappear, which is a which is a shame because you got a serviceable main eventer and a serviceable tag team. And rather than try and put work and emphasis into them as a whole, instead, you turn tail and you cut your losses and you just figure, eh, we'll just send them on their merry way separate. And that's that's unfortunate because it's hurting everyone involved. Jay said it back to NXT. He goes that that's probably it. They'll send them to NXT. Maybe they'll repackage them as somebody else, and that'll be it. Which, again, there's no necessity for that. You have a stable of legit, dangerous individuals that all they need, all they need is some good writing. Good writing. That's it. Unfortunately, that is not the case. But the video package was solid. I will say this. One thing WWE does right is is their their vignettes they they do an amazing job with them and that one i really liked but i just didn't like where it was going because we know that it's obviously leading to the wyatt family breakup so we got sheamus and damian sandow which pretty much i knew what the outcome was gonna be and i went downstairs i got dinner i came upstairs the match was still going on. I knew how it was going to end, and it ended exactly as you'd expect with Sheamus being Sheamus and Damian Sandow continuing to do really, really awesome stuff as as the as the Miz's stunt double. That's about it. Everything else about that match was a typical paint-by-number Sheamus match. You know, bang on the chest, uh, rolling senton, uh, punch-kick, punch-kick, brogue-kick, and that was it. We know what's going to happen. And again, uh, Sheamus is another guy. He's not doing this U.S. title any favors. And if the rumors are to be believed, then he's going to be feuding with Rusev for the U.S. title. And oh, that match is going to be a barn burner, folks. It's going to be tremendous. Stop it. It's not. It's going to be dull. It's going to be terrible. And it's going to be pretty much Lana carrying the, 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 the luggage of both guys because Rusev's mic work is, is, is subpar. And Sheamus's mic work is pretty much, fella, fella, I'm going to beat you up. And that's it. Bang on the chest. And that's it. Nothing else. So Lana's going to have to work 
to make that feud look passable from a story standpoint. Wrestling, it's just going to be, oh, we're going to punch each other in the face. We're going to beat each other up a little bit. A couple of uh, strong style moves. Wash, rinse, and repeat. Rusev is your champion, and that's it. Slick says, Rusev versus Sheamus is five minutes till Namek explodes on Dragon Ball Z. Pretty much. it's It, it sounds great. But when you see it, you know it's going to be a slow, plodding, fucking, really, really subpar big man match. Because Sheamus is a good performer, but he's not at the stage of carrying anybody. And we know that once Rusev goes past the five-minute match mark, his, his matches turn to shit. Complete shit. Anyway. Let's get to the main event. It was John Cena and Dean Ambrose in a tag match against Kane and Randy Orton. And, of course, you know that Seth Rollins was going to be involved after running away uh, earlier in the evening covered in slime. But um, the match itself was a pretty decent match, obviously teasing the dissension between Cena and Ambrose. I, I almost can, I, I almost feel that they're going to probably either do Cena and Ambrose and Rollins in a, in a Hell in the Cell triple threat or you're going to probably do Ambrose and Rollins and then Cena and Orton in, in a Hell in the Cell. But I really just feel that Cena's involvement in this entire thing is really going to hurt a really good feud between two talented guys because it almost feels like Cena's involvement adds too much star power to a feud where there's genuine hatred between two individuals. You know, it's like, oh, you cost me my title shot. I hate you versus Ambrose who feels more slighted because obviously the the destruction of the shield and you know curb stomp on the bricks all the stuff with Roman Reigns there's just a better story there and Cena's involvement just overshadows what is a very very deep story and the fact that it's leading to possibly these guys in a triple threat hell in the cell match for what exactly what are you three gonna do in hell in the cell that is gonna warrant that match having any other importance other than the two guys that hate Seth Rollins getting their hands on him versus, you know, if, 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 if it was Rollins and Ambrose, Ambrose wins, Cena has his match with Orton and Ambrose, you know, he steals the briefcase after the match, then there's something there. But to put these three guys in the hell in the cell with no real, without anything tangible to gain is not doing anybody any favors. And on, and like I said, it's hurting the program between Ambrose and Rollins individually. Jay says Lesnar has the belt hostage. He needs to get more involved without having an actual match. I agree. I mean, sending Paul Heyman out there is great, but Brock Lesnar should have been out there to confront Seth Rollins this week. Brock Lesnar should have been like, listen, I understand you want to go into business for yourself, and I understand that you're trying to take advantage of an opportunity, but don't miss a, don't confuse it with the fact that I will break you in half. And that would be interesting because, again, you're teasing dissension. You're making Brock Lesnar a force without even getting him into a match. I agree with what Jay says. If Brock Lesnar was out there and he was like, listen, yeah, you cashed, you tried to cash in. I understand. I would have done the same thing. But don't be stupid. I will fucking kill you. Then that would have kind of brought everything full circle. Slick then adds that they're not going to let anyone but Cena fight Lesnar. And unfortunately, he's probably right because WWE has done nothing to build up anybody that can challenge Brock Lesnar and look credible enough to possibly beat him. They got nobody. And, you know, I talked about this with Josh at great length uh, off air and we agreed there's nobody 
that can challenge Brock Lesnar that can believably pose a threat. So at this point, everybody's pretty much spinning their wheels until either Roman Reigns comes back or John Cena gets a third, you know, the rubber match with Brock Lesnar or Seth Rollins cashes in. There's nothing else going on with the heavyweight title. And like like Jay said, going back to what Jay said, you can use Brock Lesnar every week without even having to do anything crazy. And you can just build that and build that and build that until you can use Lesnar the way it's supposed to be, you know, it's, it's, it's craziness overall for, for all the good that raw dis, did last week. Like I said, it was very disjointed. I almost feel like they just undid all that great work from the past week this week. It's craziness. It is without a doubt craziness. All right. So let's talk about the rest of the wrestling news for this week and kind of wrap things up. So I want to open things up on the on the new side of things with um, David Meltzer talking about a very interesting rumor he heard and a discussion with Jim Ross where Jim Ross said that Brock Lesnar hasn't begun serious talks to renew his WWE contract. Now, according to what's been said, Brock Lesnar signed a three-year deal in 2012, meaning that obviously his contract will expire after this year's WrestleMania. Now, obviously, there's a lot of interesting things here because Brock Lesnar's stock has gone up and he may leverage negotiations with with the rumors that he may go back to the UFC. I mean, Brock Lesnar is 38 years old. And even though fighting, you know, is 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 good money, I don't think in Brock Lesnar's, you know, even though he got over the diverticulitis, I think that at 38 years old, he should just continue to work a limited schedule. But you know, it's one of those things where if he gets a cut of pay-per-view revenue from the UFC, if he went back, he would get a cut of that revenue. That's one thing that Brock Lesnar was good at. He was good at, at selling pay-per-views for the UFC, but I have to agree. The guy is 38 years old. He he's he's recovering from he recovered from diverticulitis, which even though he's recovered, I still feel that that ailment, that illness probably still has lasting effects on him physically. If I were Brock Lesnar, I'd probably re-sign with WWE, do some more dates, and finish up your career. I mean, you could probably work all the way through WrestleMania, maybe do one more year, and retire. You'd retire at 40, and that would be it. You know, I mean, Brock Lesnar should wrestle till he's 40 on a limited schedule, retire, and WWE would probably put him in the Hall of Fame. Like I said, you could probably start a, a, a streak with Brock Lesnar, and it would be believable enough that people would buy it. Like I said, you could do, you know, uh, you know, can can anybody beat the beast? And I'm not saying that you're going to keep Brock Lesnar on every WrestleMania for the next 10 years, but the guy's 38 years old. You could probably get five or six matches out of him, and he can maintain some sort of a streak. If there's anybody, and I've said this before, that you can start a streak with and make it believable, it's Brock Lesnar. He's enough of an imposing presence. He's enough of a massive individual that any match with Brock Lesnar is a big fight feel. That's all I'm saying. But obviously we're not going to know how this pans out till after WrestleMania. That's it. Yep, exactly. Slick writes, be the one to beat the one who is the one in 21 and one. Exactly. That's exactly it. And I'm not saying that you got to do 21, you know, 20 years of Brock Lesnar. You're not going to get that. But even if you get 10 years and have him perform every year as a special attraction, you will get a lot of value, a lot of value. 
Because Paul Heyman will build that up and make it, and he will sell it. He will make it worth tuning in for. That's all I'm saying. But what can you do? So if you've been following NXT, you know that Prince Devitt debuted at one of the tapings. Everybody shared the YouTube video, including us. We put it on the Rageworks fan page. Uh, Prince Devitt, now known as Finn Balor. Uh, very, very awesome debut alongside Kenta. I'm sure when it's uh, officially on NXT on the WWE Network, people are going to go crazy. I think that the, the, the amount of talent in NXT that they got right now should definitely boost the main card and the mid card for years to come. They got some amazing talent besides Kevin Steen, Kenta, um, Finn Balor, uh, which, by the way, for those of you that are on that are curious about the origins, the origins of Finn Balor are uh, from Celtic mythology and. Um, Obviously, him being Irish, that's where it comes from. Uh, Finn Balor, uh, Balor is, a, like I said, a character from Celtic mythology, and he is considered the god of blight. So, you know, it's it's just a very, very interesting, uh, uh, an interesting name. The crowd was into it. I have no problem with it. I mean, the guy, the guy has Irish heritage. You weren't going to book him as Fergal Devitt. It wasn't going to happen. And Prince Devitt, obviously, you weren't going to utilize either. So Finn Balor is okay. People were chanting it in the video that I shared on, um, you know, the Rageworks fan page. And I think it's it's going to work. I think his, like I said, NXT has some of the best, the best upcoming wrestlers right now that I've seen in the last three or four years. Like I said, you got Neville, you got Zayn, Kenta, uh, Prince Devitt, Kevin Steen, um, Tyler Breeze. Tyson Kidd, love him or hate him, he's still a great guy. Justin Gabriel, solid performer. Um, you know, um, Enzo Amore and Big Cass as a comedy duo, they're good. The Vaude villains are great. The Ascension is tremendous. Uh, Charlotte, Bailey, you know, Alexa Bliss. You can go down the list, and NXT has all the all the pieces that could make both Raw and SmackDown better shows. That's all I'm saying. And again. The writing in NXT is handled by one guy with an assistant and Triple H. That's it. Meanwhile, Raw has a full fucking team, you know, full full team. They got a full team and it's just a disaster every week. It's just craziness abounds. I mean, you know, looking at NXT and seeing such talent really gives me uh, it gives me goosebumps. It gives me chills as a wrestling fan, because when a guy like uh, when Prince Devitt, uh, Prince Devitt, excuse me, debuts or Finn Balor debuts on Raw and people that are knowledgeable know who this guy is, it's going to be crazy. It is going to be crazy as soon as he as he debuts and he comes out and he's just delivering crazy fucking matches. People are going to go nuts. When when Kenta, now known as Hideo Itami, hits the main roster, it's going to be ridiculous. And it really makes me feel good because I know, I know it's there. They got the tools. They just got to bring it together. All right, so um, a very interesting piece I read on the Wrestling Observer about the, the, the Total Divas cast. Allegedly, there's a rule that any any diva who's a member of the Total Divas cast is not allowed to win the WWE Divas Championship. Now, the reasoning for this is the fact that they don't want the belt to affect the booking of the show, which is unfortunate because a diva like Natalia is stuck that she can't compete for the belt because she's part of this show. 
This is why the the divas that are wrestling. I I mean, if anything, maybe Brie Bella they'd pull a they'd pull the trigger and give her the belt just because obviously she's she's a face and the crowd is into her. But if you look at it, think of it: the bulk of the roster are all total divas, with the exception of Paige, AJ, Alicia Fox, and that's really it. So oh, and Layla. And because everybody else, Rosa Mendez, Summer Rae, they're all on Total Diva. So what are you going to do? You're going to you're going to exchange the belt between Alicia Fox, Paige and AJ. It's craziness. Like I said, it's an interesting rumor. I don't know how legitimate it is. Um, Tamina is injured. I believe she tore her ACL and MCL. So, you know, she's probably she probably won't be back until late 2015. So that's what I'm saying. If she comes back, but still four. The Total Divas cast is the bulk of the rest of the roster. It's crazy. It is crazy. But again, it's um, it's a it's not a rumor, but it's it's just something that's been talked about on a lot of different websites. So the you know how believable it is, eh, remains to be seen. So I want to talk about this this really really crazy piece, and I want to see what you guys say. So a report came out of WrestleZone. And they said that Triple H is actually actually utilizing the internet community with regards to wrestling. He said that he likes to read Squared Circle in Reddit. Um, he likes to read uh, sites like WrestleZone, uh, Game FAQs, and and Squared Circle because he wants to understand the 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 new wrestling fan. And again, I don't know how how crazy that is, but according to WrestleZone, they said Triple H is said to be intrigued by Reddit and its squared circle community. Um, He also feels that he wants to try to do an Ask Me Anything, an AMA on Reddit, so that more people can, you know, so he can get more traction with the internet wrestling audience. Now, this is very surprising, obviously, because, and yep, I was going to say that, Jay. um, It's very interesting because Triple H is... You know, they've always said that Triple H, that WWE uh, upper management was anti-internet because they felt that the internet fans swear that they know a whole lot about the business and in their eyes, they don't know as much as they think. Now, the thing that gets me with this is that Triple H trying to make, you know, extend the olive branch, so to speak, to the internet community, I think is just this, it's showing the evolution of the of the company. And I think that by by utilizing the internet community, you get to see that the internet community, I include myself in that, we're not just all, you know, basement dwellers behind keyboards, eating Cheetos and fantasy booking matches. You know, we know our history. We know our research. We know what needs to be utilized in, in, in correctly to get people into the product and and by approaching us and 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 utilizing our opinions i feel that the product will become better allegedly they said that the reason that they use the stunt double the the damian sandow as the mrs stunt double is because people were talking about it on message boards which is insane you know it's it, it's crazy that if that is true that means that they are listening Now, Slick says in the chat, the internet does not know the business, but what the fans want is part of what's best for business. Uh, little confused, Slick. I mean, can you elaborate? Because the fans, um, you know, the fans are, without a doubt, more knowledgeable now than I'd say 10 years ago. 
But that's also because the internet as a medium has evolved beyond, you know, age, sex, location, AOL Instant Messenger, and uh, GeoCities web pages. We've evolved as a medium, and as such, there, there's, there's creative, there's creative forces in the internet that, if wrestling promotions actually utilize them effectively, excuse me, they would be better off. They'd be better off. I mean, here's a great example. Myself, Jay Santi, my take radio as a whole, we have a great relationship with the House of Glory Wrestling School. Um, you know, Brian XL, Amazing Red, a lot of their students. Uh, we know them. We've interacted with them. And one of the things that all the students do is they leverage social media. They try and increase their profile. They try to get recognized. And, um, you know, it's it's just it's just that's how it is. It's the evo- it's the it's the evolution of the medium. And I think that that's what we're going to need to see more of going forward. They need to stop being so apprehensive and so against the Internet and start embracing it because it really is the most effective way for you to test out certain things. We def- we are the Internet wrestling community are the beta testers because sometimes we come up with the ideas before they even make TV because we believe that certain ideas will work. Now, Slick says... Of course, we are more knowledgeable, but we are not in those creative meetings. Still, taking ideas from people like you is not a bad idea at all. Now, I understand what Slick is saying, but let me let me put it to you like this. Let me let me paint you guys a picture. And it's funny that I'm looking at our timestamp and we're we're like approaching two and a half hours. But I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna break this down very quickly. And um, the way I look at it is. Yes, the guys that are in the in the booth that are in creative are professionals, but they're also guys that don't really know the wrestling business. They know how to write, but they only know how to write episodic television from the narrative of a soap opera or the narrative of a comedy. It, it, you have to look at wrestling on a weekly basis the same way you look at a show like The Wire. The same way you look at a show like The Sopranos. The same way you look at a, at a show like Sons of Anarchy. That's how you have to look at wrestling as a medium. It's episodic television that tells a narrative every week. You got your heroes, you got your villains, and you have your anti-heroes. And at the end of each broadcast, your job is to enforce the heroes get their 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 just due, the villains get put put in their place, and the anti-heroes continue to make people question what they're watching. It's really that simple. I'm not I'm not a professional television writer, but I'm a fan that knows the product, and it's crazy that I can come up with a scenario off the top of my head that makes sense. And that's what that's what bothers me. What bothers me is the fact that the minute that somebody says, hey, you know, this would really work. Oh, you know, you think, you know, the business, you're just a mark, you know, and that's not the case. It is not the case behind. uh, So a lot of these keyboards are talented individuals. Yeah, they may they may be on an Internet message board. They might be on Reddit, but these are people that might be creative writers or journalists or they have blogs with a lot of traffic and they're just opinionated. Whatever the case may be, nobody should ever should ever dispute the ideas that are out there. I hear ideas from everybody all the time. Slick, I bounce ideas off of you. I bounce ideas off of Jay. Jay knows. I'll, I'll message Jay and I'll be like, Jay, I got this idea. What do you think? Or Slick, I have this idea. What do you think? And that doesn't mean that I don't know what I'm doing, but I feel that I'm comfortable enough in the in the narrative of professional wrestling that I can book a show. I can book a show. 
I think that if you gave me a roster of 20 wrestlers, I can book one show. I can book one show. I really think I can. I think I can book the angles, the finishes, the backstage segments, everything. I think I can do that because I believe that I can tell a cohesive story from from a week-to-week basis. And yeah, some people are like, yeah, well, you know, just because you book a, an entire a, an entire season on WWE 2K14 doesn't make you a, a, um, a knowledgeable, creative writer. And sure, you can say that, but I also feel that I have enough talent that I can put something together. And this is what's happening. You're bringing in all these writers that don't know anything about wrestling. You need to get a guy or a girl who knows the business and knows how to write episodic TV. That's it. You know, guys like Paul Heyman, guys like, you know, love him or hate him, you know, guys like Vince Russo, they knew the product. And yeah, some of Vince Russo's stuff was questionable, but it, but he knew that you had to write something in an episodic format and make it consistent every week. And yeah, a lot of the stuff was questionable, but still, he understood it. You know, same thing with with Eric Bischoff. Same thing. I mean, whether we hate these guys or not, they understood what was involved. And Jay says, oh, believe me, I'm a storyteller. I can get that company more ratings within a year. And see, for, for Jay saying that, you know, Jay saying that and even me saying that or Slick or any of us, any of you guys that are wrestling fans, don't ever think that just because WWE doesn't want to hear your ideas that they're not good because they might be. They might be exactly what they should be doing. Don't ever let anybody say that. That's all I'm saying. And for Triple H to make this this attempt to to work with the internet wrestling community, with the internet wrestling audience, is a huge step in the right direction, and I'm excited to see where it goes. All right, so uh, WWE had to issue an apology um, because of the incident with the Big Show and Alexander Rusev because the Big Show pulled down the Russian flag. Um, they put a, a blurb on WWE.com and they said, we at WWE would like to apologize to the Russian people for the incident on Monday Night Raw that could have been construed as disrespect to their nation's flag. Now, the thing about this is that, and I've said this, flags are very, very touchy. If you guys remember the Jericho flag, um, you know, the Jericho flag incident, you guys know that, you know, Jericho almost got killed in Brazil. When you're getting into nationalities and ethnic pride, you have to be very, very careful. And Slick Slick says, fuck that, people burn our flag all the time, and I understand that. But in WWE's, you know, in WWE's situation, they have to respect the fact that they have a multi-ethnic audience, and you have to be careful. I mean, don't get me wrong, they do all the racial shit all the time, but flags are a little bit more touchy. Should they have done it differently? Maybe. But, um, yep, I remember that when uh, Jay, Jay reminded me of when Shawn Michaels put the Canadian flag in his nose. You know what it is? We, we are extremely sensitive now. And sure, I guarantee you everybody understood that this was part of a story, but I'm sure there was one or two people that were offended. And they wrote to, to WWE or they tweeted WWE and they were like, you know, that was kind of disrespectful because of X, Y, and Z. It happens. But what I do feel is that this is you have to remind these people that this is a story. This isn't real disrespect. This is a story. Because, you know, if you think everything that happens on TV is uh, on wrestling is real, then you have some some deep seated issues that you need to address. That's all I'm saying. But 
I wanted to bring it up because they did have to apologize for that. All right, so uh, the last thing I want to close out with is that when the WWE Network launched, there was a, a, a huge amount of concern with regards to wrestler payouts because of uh, the, 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 the fact that they weren't going to be doing pay-per-views on a consistent basis with most providers. Now, a lot of wrestlers get their payouts from pay-per-view revenue. So the fact is that so many providers dropped the WWE pay-per-views and everybody was on the network. Um, it made you wonder how it was going to work out. So what they've been saying is that the first few pay-per-views following WrestleMania had a new formula. And according to reports, the payoffs are really bad. Many are speculating that this points to the fact that the talents are getting paid based on pay-per-view vet revenue and are seeing nothing extra because the revenue has pretty much been eliminated due to the network. In other words, say a wrestler makes uh, 25 grand and they get money based on pay-per-view revenue. So if each pay-per-view has, you know, a 1 million buy rate, a 2 million buy rate, then that 25 grand that they get paid might become 30 grand or 40 grand or 50 grand or more. Now, by eliminating that medium, you're left with what's pretty much the base salary. It's almost like when you work in a, in a job and you get commission. You have your base salary, and then at that point, you're supposed to get, you know, your commissions. So I understand where the frustration is, but for, for the roster and even for the company itself, you have to look at alternative ways to build that revenue, whether it's allowing them profit share in merchandise or allowing them profit share um, in network subscriptions, because if you're revolutionizing the medium, you can't have your talent not be a fan of the medium. In other words, you want your talent to be ready, willing, and able to endorse it without feeling jaded because the network has eliminated their men, their, their revenue stream. So with that said, you know, a lot of people are being taken care of and, you know, that's that's something that needs to be addressed as well. I, I'm sure WWE realizes that they're going to have to help these wrestlers recoup since the medium itself has evolved and i'm sure it's going to be it's going to iron itself out over time but so many so many websites are acknowledging this and putting this out there and in my opinion wwe is revolutionizing uh content they're revolutionizing content consumption and as such there's going to be some bumps along the road so with that you'd expect that with those bumps along the road, there's going to be some financial situations that are going to need to be handled a little differently. That's all I'm saying. So before you jump on and all oh, the wrestlers are being fucked out of money, realize that WWE revolutionized content consumption for wrestling fans. It's no longer about the $60 pay-per-view or, you know, the, the three hour raw or, or this replay or that replay or the DVR. There's more to it. And even the UFC with fight pass, they're doing it similar. It's all about content consumption. And WWE revolutionized that. They made it accessible. They've made wrestling accessible globally to fans. Fans that are in Japan that have never seen certain matches may be able to see them. Uh, fans in the UK may be able to enjoy work from some of their favorite UK wrestlers that have been in the WWE. There are so many pluses that the minuses can be addressed very, very quickly just as long as they're not blown out of proportion and i think to a degree um you know the, the the web has blown certain things out of proportion and it's coming full circle it's just gonna take some time 
Jay adds, now that the network is shared worldwide, you don't hear the company being broke now. And it's true. I mean, the company, is, the network is slowly launching across the world and the content consumption will only continue. Now, what WWE needs to realize is that in addition to their extensive tape library, they need to continue putting out unique and great programming, stuff like Legends House, the Monday Night War. We need to see more of that. We need to see, you know, um, maybe documentaries on certain finishing moves, the origins of certain wrestlers, uh, you know, things like that. You, you need to continue to fill the 24 hours of programming. I mean, you have on-demand stuff, but you need to continue to create indiv- unique programming to keep people engaged and interested in your product. That's all I'm saying. All right, so uh, definitely almost almost three hours. So let's let's wrap it up. Anyway. With that said, we're going to wrap up the wrestling for this week. Just a quick reminder, uh, My Take Radio will be live once again on Thursday, October 2nd, which is now, basically, um, at 11 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Pacific. And we're going to be talking gaming and entertainment news for that episode. In addition to that, we will be releasing to the general public our MTR Beyond the Mic interview with Barry Myers from Get Geeked. Uh, Make sure to check that out if you're in New York. Uh, The Get Geeked event goes down October 16th. It is open to the public at start beginning at 7 p.m. They're going to do lots of product giveaways. The first 500 attendees will be getting grab bags full of great gadgets and gear. Uh, For those of us that are working the event, you guys know your details for that as well. There is a very cool announcement with regards to the Get Geeked event that I will be sharing with you guys next week because it definitely is um, a pretty a pretty uh, huge uh, huge bit of news for those of us in, that are that are in the MTR uh, uh, circle, so to speak. So once I get the full the full details and I got it all, I will share it with you guys. All right, so. To wrap things up, obviously you can follow us on Twitter at Rage underscore Works and at My Take Radio. Both sites, uh, both social media accounts are managed by myself and and one of the other MTR team members. Uh, feel free to reach out for anything show related or site related. I, like I said, Rage underscore Works on Twitter for the site at my take radio for all the show stuff you can find us on facebook facebook.com forward slash official rage works or forward slash my take radio if you want to uh keep up with all the show stuff as well you can find us on google plus and pinterest as well with regards to show archives you can find us on stitcher tune in radio and itunes but if you want the best mtr experience pick up the my take radio app it's 199 and it's available for android ios and windows mobile you get 96k stereo episodes original unique content exclusive for the app plus mobile wallpapers and a ton of other stuff it's always being improved you can find that like i said in amazon for android ios for apple and in the windows mobile store for windows devices all right on behalf of myself slick Quark, Blade, Jay, Ben, the rightest, and the rest of the MTR family. I will see you guys later. Thanks for tuning in. We are out of here. I'm going to be adding the outro music in post, so I will catch you guys later.